You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since everybody welcome to the ggtmc we are back we are ready to talk about some movies and this week we are international uh this week uh we have our very good friend uh on the show it's me and will by the way i guess i should always say that <laughs> i don't know why that's okay you know it'll be it'll be about a thousand to two thousand episodes before i remember to introduce uh, who actually is on the show including myself uh but this week we have the almighty David Alcock with us, the Almighty Alcock, and I get, hey. there he is. He's back. When was what, you know? I was just thinking about this while the intro was playing. When was the last time you were on the show? Do you remember? Ah, <laughs> uh, um, I think it was just me and Will. Oh yeah, you oh were, yeah. You were at uh, an arm wrestling tournament or oh, yeah. a mud wrestling. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, we did. Um, Metal Skin and Long Weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was five years ago. Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. yeah. I, asked, I asked these questions because, uh, you know, the older as the older I get, the faster the time just goes by. And uh, I, I had tried to remember and tried to recall when that was. And, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised it's five years because uh, five years nowadays is like a blink of an eye. <laughs> In my life, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but uh, for me, it just it goes by like nothing anymore. It seems so. I, yeah, I'm still I still feel like it's January, and uh, you know, here we are, almost halfway through the year. So it's crazy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, welcome back to the show, man. It's good to have you on. Uh, you're a longtime listener, and obviously a, a good friend, and we love having you back on. So thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Good to be back. And clearly, a, a gentleman with a certain flair. And uh, a taste that is in line with ours. Yes. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, indeed. Um, and Davey programmed the show. We should say that. Um, he just, I did. It's, it's all my fault. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, we don't jump into the world of erotic thrillers very much, but it's a very interesting world. And uh, this week, we are getting into it a little bit with uh, In the Cold of the Night from 1990, uh, directed by one uh, Nico Mastarakis, who is quickly becoming... Uh, I don't know if it's because of Arrow or just because of video, home video or home physical media or whatever, but he's quickly become a director. We've covered a lot of films, by, and uh, uh, so that'll be interesting to discuss. Uh, I had never seen that one, so that one's going to be kind of fun. Uh, and Color of Night, 1994, this one directed by Richard Rush, uh, good old Dickie Rush here, uh, <laughs> uh, who uh, uh, infamously directed, uh, hasn't directed a whole lot of stuff, but uh, did The Stuntman and uh, Freebie and the Bean, I believe, and mm-hmm. a few other things. Uh, still kicking, too, man. The guy's been around for a while. He's uh, born in 1929. He's still around. Yeah. So, uh, interesting. And uh, that's a Bruce Willis joint, uh, which... You know, the whole oh, it time. certainly is. Yeah. Uh, it is Bruce Willis's joint. Yeah, <laughs> Bruce Willis's joint. Yeah. yeah, which apparently it's not Bruce Willis's joint. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They, they yeah. deemed his joint too small. Yeah. His was a one paper, and they wanted a a cannon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, a, a stunt a stunt Willis was. Uh, yes. was brought, yeah. <laughs> they brought in somebody who had a knee in it. If you know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but no, that uh, we don't cover a lot of Bruce Willis films on this show. Kind of infamously, uh, Willis always had a, a, a not a thing for uh, Mr. Yeah. Willis. So every time I watch, every time I see uh, the Bruce Willis smirk on screen, I, I smirk to myself <laughs> knowing that at some point we're going to cover some Bruce Willis uh, films. But um, Oh, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't aware that uh, yeah, uh, Will had be. such a disdain for yeah. uh, for. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Willis, yeah, that's right, friend. Yeah, I don't know if it's. Oh. I don't know if it's a. Oh, I, I, I can't Bruce. wait to hear what you've got to say about this. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's a disdain as much as it's a. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is. Well, what would you say it is with Willis and you? You're just you know, the it's cockiness. funny as I was watching a little bit, and I think his shtick kind of wore thin. He started getting high in his own supply, and I thought, oh, come on. But I'll say this, between watching this and showing my kids Sixth Sense uh, earlier in the year, I don't know if, and I, this is one of my notes, not to get too far out of ourselves, but I, I had said, I don't know if it's me getting older or what, but because um, he's fantastic in Color of Night, and he's, mm-hmm. he's very good in um, a, The Sixth Sense, which is odd because he's playing a, a therapist of sorts in a very different film no. but no he's he worked fine for me i mean i don't know if it was just how much he saturated the market for a while i don't know but yeah the willis smirk is for a long time just uh was kryptonite for me yeah yeah well but, that's uh, a, that's yeah, understood no, we all have our we all have our actors we just for whatever reason can't uh get behind sometimes for a while you know yeah sure. yeah will or smith Stevie, do you have any of those or, or will smith's another one yeah will smith's um, one of mine mm-hmm. yeah um, I don't know. I, I I guess I feel similarly about Kevin Costner. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 That's a good okay. one. That's a good example. He he, yeah. he. I kind of went down a similar path to Bruce Willis, and it, his his shtick got kind of <laughs> uh, tired. And I think, and there's there's an element with both of them of really phoning it in. Yeah. Yeah. They got to a certain oh, point yeah. in their career, and they just. They'd show up, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the difference is some actors 
their persona that they end up getting cast for still can be engaging. But yeah, for a while, those guys were really half-assed and collecting a major check to do so. And yeah. let's face it, being A-listers for a time, yeah. um, they were everywhere. and Just coasting, just really yeah. coasting it, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it feels like actually Bruce Willis is at the apex of that right now. <laughs> yeah. Because he just like yeah. shows up sometimes for like 10 minutes in a movie and he gets, you know, he gets a cover credit and then... Yeah, he's got a lot of movie posters lately uh, that are very similar to Nick Cage posters, and that you know it's just mm-hmm. you know usually some picture of him either, you know, smirking or looking serious or something, and then you find out he's only in the movie for about you know five minutes. It's a Liam Hemsworth film or some other film, you know. So right. it's, it's kind of you know whatever I guess whatever floats your boat, you know. But uh, there for a while though, he was uh, red hot, um, so to speak. And uh, we'll kind of get into that. So let's, before we get going on uh, what we've been watching or anything like that, I want to just talk about erotic thrillers a little bit as a genre because it's it's not something we really cover much on this show, and uh, and I've often wondered why because it's kind of right up our 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 alley in a lot of ways. There's a lot of the things that we like in the uh, kind of uh, low budget action world kind of carry over into the uh, erotic thriller world. Uh, body oil being a main component, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, shirtless men. There's a lot of shirtless men this week, um, and not a lot of men, but just a lot of shirtless scenes. But the uh, the erotic thriller, you know, every time I think of the erotic thriller, I try to think where it started. I, I, I tend to think Body Heat might have been the one of the first ones that really kind of had an impact, and it's it's a personal mm-hmm. favorite of mine. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe one of the best of this genre, but I think I think uh, we could probably all agree maybe that uh, Basic Instinct kind of kicked off this uh, this this kind of you know it was a big box office hit, so it just kind of kicked off this craziness of uh, straight to video releases and as many it seemed like as many uh, erotic thrillers as they could get out with good looking people. I mean Hollywood's known as a place with good-looking people, so I guess they found an excuse to use all these people. Um, and yeah. some they would use more often than others. Shannon Tweed, obviously, who's on this week's show. Oh, yeah. She's not really prominent in this uh, erotic thriller we're going to talk about, but she made a whole career out of that. Um, but yeah. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on the genre um, in general, but uh, I kind of wanted to throw it out there and see what you guys wanted to say about the uh, the genre of erotic Baby. thrillers. Um, yeah, you're right, and it's it's... It's uh, a niche genre that kind of doesn't exist anymore, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it for like maybe ten years, maybe not even ten years. It was a um, it was a staple of the of the VHS um, video shelves and the cable TV. And I'm trying to think of a recent example, and I can't. I mean, I know De Palma tried to get back into it with the. Uh, the one with the two with Rachel McAdams and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but um, it's kind of something that doesn't exist anymore. Although I hear that Adrian Lyne has done a film with Ben Affleck. He's back in. Oh, he directs Fatal like Attraction, right? I mean, Fatal Attraction is uh, is another big yeah. one. Yeah, it's a big one. Kind of, oh yeah, uh, that and Basic Instinct are the, probably the two big guns. Um, but really, for me, what intrigues me is uh de palma really pioneered this yeah and just how 
giallo-esque, gialli-esque, yeah. the whole thing is. Um, yeah. And really, it's just an Americanized gialli. Yeah. And that's something that, that De Palma really pioneered and perfected. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, and as you said, then you get all the knockoffs and, and yeah, whatnot. Down the rabbit hole we go. And yeah. I agree completely. And I had that revelation. And I think I, I even mentioned on the show watching An Occasional Hell, which is a, a Tom Berenger, Valeria Galino, Carrie Wurr, yeah. uh, Stephen Lang joint, and Robert Dobby for that matter. I was watching it uh, a few months back and I thought, you know, this has all the elements of a giallo. In some regard, it's got this this sleaze, this eroticism, the whodunit, um, and really, yeah, these are just like you know a more contemporary American giallo, and uh, it's it's funny to see. But no, I agree with the De Palma that he's kind of the bridge, the grand. Yeah. It feels like the grandfather of yeah. the erotic thriller in some ways because mm. he was doing it um, as far back as 1980. Yeah, yeah, which is a similar time to Body Heat. I mean, Dress to Kill and That's right. um, Body Double, for me, are the kind of the two oh, yeah. that, that really kickstart this whole thing. I mean, it, it veers more towards the jello murder mystery angle than the, the pure sex angle. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, Dress to Kill and, and Body Double are the, the benchmarks for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that, that 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 is agreed. I think that you know to kind of throw my two cents in. I agree as well. It has those jelly esque elements. Uh, obviously, it has you know good looking people taking their clothes off, which is easy exploitive element to add to any film to kind of get asses in seats or rentals at. Uh, yeah, I mean it's store. it's the two the big one, sex and violence. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know at last. these these two films we're doing this week actually. You know, there's there's strong tinges of. Uh, of, of, well, there's very strong horror elements, we should say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man, yeah. Uh, throughout, yeah. Throughout both of them. Not only because uh, Nico Mastarakis is kind of a, a horror director uh, in mm. some ways, but uh, and Richard Rush is not, but there's still those kind of... I mean, I, I, I was surprised. I'll get into it when we cover the film, but I was kind of surprised at uh, some of the violence in uh, uh, Color yeah. of Night. I was really surprised. I, I didn't recall it that. <laughs> It gets, I mean, it really gets uh, yeah. brutal. And then it mixes in, and then it get, to add another element, sorry, I choked on some coffee a little bit there. To add another element, it, it throws in, some of these throw in some action sequences as well. So yeah. mm -hmm. it's a genre that, you know, like I said, we don't really cover that much, but it's kind of treasure trove of uh, these kind of GGTMC elements that we kind of champion here at the show. Um, mm -hmm. They're kind of all there. And uh, it kind of helps this week, too, that, uh, that Mark Singer pops up in one of them because uh, he <laughs> yep. kind of became a thing in some of these as well. One of my favorite uh, kind of uh, uh, unknown but kind of known erotic throwers, I think it's called Body Chemistry, I believe it's called. And uh, it has Mark Singer in it. And it has a very infamous scene in it with Mark Singer. I think Will's laughing because I think he knows what I'm talking yep. about. <laughs> oh. Okay, I, I need to add that to my list. Oh, uh, yes, you do. It's Mark Singer like you've never seen him before. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and do we see all of Mark Singer? Uh, well, well, you see a lot of him. <laughs> you see a lot of him. And let's just say, uh, to use a baseball term, he is more catcher than pitcher. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Then. Yeah, yeah. It's He's a... singing, man. Singer gonna sing. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely has a night he won't forget. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that that's what we're doing. Uh, we can kind of get into what we've been watching. I don't know if we want to talk. I don't know, Dave, if you want to talk about anything you've been up to or not. I don't know if, if you want to discuss any of that. I've been people... Um, may not know Davey kind of works in the business so to speak uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk I, I'm always kind of hesitant to bring stuff like that up but I don't know if there's anything you want to discuss uh, or not I, I want to say something to you personally though I've we watched okay. uh, a couple weeks but uh, it's been a few weeks now but my son has fallen in love with the live action remake of Aladdin he's fallen in love with this thing okay <laughs> yeah. okay uh, yes no that which is one that I worked on and um in stark contrast to the films we're talking about, my <laughs> professional life has been, uh, yeah, a lot. I've been very lucky to do a lot of work for Disney, including Aladdin, Dumbo, Beauty and the Beast, and all the new Star Wars movies. That's yes. been my life for the last five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty great. I, I, so, I didn't uh, even know. I, I looked it up right before we, uh, well, last week when I knew you was coming back on the show, and I was like, wow, man, he's really working on some stuff. Some big stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's been it's been big stuff, and it's been keeping me busy for for a while. Um, but yeah, very different to, to yeah. my uh, <laughs> Your personal t- tastes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Understood. Understood. I, I think that that's interesting, though, because I think a lot of people think that you know, I mean, w- uh, work is work, right? And uh, you know, uh, people have to have a job and you know, put food on the table and all those kind of colloquialisms. We can I can sit here and say, but uh, you know, still, uh, I just thought it was interesting. I saw your name. Uh, I knew who directed Aladdin, and I'm watching it with my son, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna care for this that much. And of course, I thought it was an interesting film, but uh, didn't love it nearly as much as my son. He's fallen in love with it, and but I will say this: it's, it's definitely one of the better looking films I've seen in some time. And uh, of course, guy Richie, who you work with uh, often, yes, about- yeah, I've, I've done a lot of work with him. I was surprised to hear that he was doing it. I mean, yeah. I, I understood. I mean, like all of us, it's a. Uh, it's a big project, you know, good money. It's a big, big paycheck. And um, he's got young kids now. I can understand that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's. I thought it turned out okay. It's yeah. got energy. It's just got, he managed to instill it with that energy that he can inject and that kind of dynamic, that dynamism that he can uh, put into his, his stuff. And uh, my kids loved it too. Um, yeah. They preferred it to Dumbo I know Will's you know a fan of Dumbo and that's got some significance for him but I I I don't think that turned out too great Mm. um Mm. a little disappointed in that I really enjoyed working on it um but um yeah Mr. Richie you know he (laughs) did it again yeah 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 he's he's more talented than he gets credit for I think sometimes and Uh, and the Star Wars uh, you know I I'd love to talk about all the Star Wars stuff, but you know, there's still I'm still NDA'd to yeah. the max, and uh, <laughs> we've there's so much has been said about these new Star Wars films. I've got my own opinions. Um, they were quite the experience to work on. Um, I mean, like the last two, I think that the last one, Rise of Skywalker, uh, on and off because there were breaks and hiatuses. I worked on that for nearly two years. It was it was wow. just. Uh, incredible experience really really incredible yeah it's amazing i'll just say this davy it's it's it warms the heart to see someone that we know loves film as much as you do 
doing something, like, you know, being able to fulfill that. It's it's a nice thing to see because. Thanks. Um, oh, hey, listen, man. You know, uh, great guy, friend of the show, somebody who's got impeccable taste. Uh, just doing <laughs> something that he loves. It's uh, it's wonderful to see. Yeah. You know? uh, no, I do. I I do still love it, and uh, you know. L- thankful and lucky to be to get paid good yep. money to do what I, I love doing yeah yeah that's great uh is this where we address the elephant in the room will of uh, the Doolittle conversation <laughs> oh. oh yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. This, <laughs> yeah i don't want to talk about that no no i understood understood yeah it's always fun to say that you know we 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 very rarely do it anymore but we talk to people every now and then and we <laughs> i always think to myself man if i you know blasted somebody or something and then all of a sudden they wanted to come on the show or we actually had a chance to interview them i'm like god i hope they don't go back and listen to what i said about them you know or something like that well it's oh, not man, their that, work that's the problem uh, yeah it's so, true like let's let's you know let's let's make no bones about this that that was just a gig that was just a job i just needed <laughs> yeah. to pay the bills and, yeah. and we could yeah. talk off there about um uh my opinions on that and what really went on on that movie yeah yeah <laughs> there you go I bet <laughs> I would never um, bemoan the quality of work that uh, our friend Davey put sure. into that. Believe you well, me. Well, as as but, we uh, uh, as we all three know, yeah. Davey probably knows more than we do. Will, but as we oh, know, yeah. as movie buffs, I mean, there's a lot of hardworking people that work on these things. Oh, regardless. for everything, for every project, yeah. it's, it's good, bad, ugly. I mean, yeah. people like Davey said, people have to pay the bills, and guess what? Um, to be able to work on a large production uh, is is a godsend, right? It's yeah. that stability, and uh, a longer shoot affords more stability and consistency, right? So, yeah. uh, correct, correct. And there's, I mean, some of the craftsmen and, and technicians that work on these movies are, you know, the top of their game, and some of the work is is phenomenal. But yeah. there's, you just can't guarantee the end result. You know? That's right. Yeah, a lot goes into the seeing that thing stick the landing, and yeah, and goes to a lot of hands. These are huge productions, and it's just—it's like steering a, a runaway train. You just got to keep it on the tracks, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're—they're they're basically every each one is almost like starting its own business, you know. And yeah. it's a gamble. It's a gamble every time, you know. They don't know if they're going to turn on that or not. But yeah, that's great, man. I just wanted to kind of get that out there to let everybody know, uh, kind of who has it. Maybe went back and listened to the back catalog, the kind of massive back catalog we had. I think uh, I may have asked Davey the same question a long time ago, so. Just kind of wanted to get that out there, uh, get some of his pedigree out there. Will and I, we're just, uh, you know, raising kids and trying to squeeze movies in. That's all we're doing nowadays. So, yeah, <laughs> that's the way it is. Um, Davey, uh, have you have you watched anything as of late that you really want to stump for here? I mean, since uh, lockdown, uh, a lot of movies. I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm still lucky to be working uh, remotely, um, but. You know, like all of us, kind of making making my own schedule. Uh, it's tricky juggling, you know, work and kids and and you know ex- <laughs> this strange existence we're now in. But there's managed to watch a lot of movies. Yeah, nice. nice. So uh, I got quite the list, but maybe I can kind of. Well, go ahead, man. Start with, yeah, start rattling off some stuff. Let's let's hear what you've been up to. Um. So. The I'm trying to go back and how I got onto this, how I got to Color of Night. It started with Freebie and the Bean. I watched Freebie and the Bean, which nice. I've never never seen before. Ah. Big fan of Richard Rush, and the stuntman is like an all time favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Checked out Freebie and the Bean, which I loved. Um, really 
quite anarchic, subversive, funny, violent, messy, buddy cop. You know, again, could be one of the originators of the, you know, the buddy cop movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and just how um, kind of wild and idiosyncratic uh, Richard Rush's work is. Um, and then that got me looking at his CV, and he, he really hasn't done much at all. No, no. And and between, I think, since Stuntman, he, he didn't work for like 10, 10, 15 years or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a big, uh, yeah. And so it was, okay, what did he do next? And all right, Color of Night. And I just remembered that as, oh, that kind of Skinnymax, Bruce Willis, <laughs> yeah. infamous sex scene. I didn't, you know, I didn't really have any great memories of it. Yeah. Um, and then read the review, which talked about how Jalliesque is so check that out, and that's how I got to Color of Night, and then that, that led me down a path of, of looking at other erotic thrillers, but more off the beaten track, and finding out about In the Cold of Night. Um, mm. But one of the other ones on that vein was something called They're Playing with Fire. I don't oh. know if you've ever heard of that. I think uh, you've got. I don't think so. <laughs> who's uh, who's it's in that a, one? Sybil Danning starring and uh, Howard. Avedis directed 1984. Hmm. Uh, it's kind of a, it's one of these um, sort of private lessons, private tutor things. Oh, okay. What, what in, and she's the, the 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 tutor. Of course. So it starts off it starts off as a teen sex comedy, but then morphs into a erotic thriller murder mystery, and then ends up as an out and out really quite perverted slasher movie. And uh, <laughs> It's pretty unique. It's, yeah. it's it's quite a unique film. I have, uh, I'll it, have to check that, that out. Uh, yeah, I have to check that out because I've I didn't even know she did it. I mean, I'm not surprised she did some of that kind of stuff, but I didn't even know yeah. that existed. To be honest with you, it's another one of these sort of um, uh, wild tonal shift oddities. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, obviously, there's been watching a lot of uh, movies with the kids, and of course, we've done the. Uh, Onward and um, the Trolls sequel. We've done all the kids' movies, Sonic the Hedgehog, which I don't want to talk about here. Uh, But my youngest daughter um, started to show a real interest in the in the horror stuff. Mm. And like now she's only seven, so it's really hard to kind of program. How do you program that for a seven-year-old? And yeah, we've, we've done we've done all the Joe Dante Gremlins kind of kid-friendly horror stuff, goosebumps, all that kind of thing, the Tim Burton stuff. But um, she suddenly developed a fascination with vampires, and we, we checked out Fright Night and Lost Boys. Um, Amazing. Uh, which, on rewatch, I've, I mean, they've always been favorites of mine, but I really... The, the the craft and the filmmaking uh, of those is is fantastic. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tom Holland is, is a great director. Fright Night uh, is is funny, thrilling, um, uh, entertaining. The, the horror stuff works. The comedy works. And again, with Lost Boys, um, the, the style of it. And she was absolutely enthralled by, by both of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that led us down a a path of a uh, regular kind of Friday night horror movie night with my daughter. Um, and, sh- and we ended up doing 
all the Friday the 13th films. Every That's single amazing. one. <laughs> every single one. Uh, and she's declared part four as she thinks is the best uh, one. Ah, yes. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, that's. I kind of agree. I'd probably go with six for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's also. She also really enjoyed Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie, you, the Ronnie, you jam. Yeah. yeah. And after that, we then we then did a child's play marathon and we've watched nice. every we single child's play film uh tom holland again and she's declared bride of chucky as her favorite of that franchise <laughs> yeah she's obviously a big fan of ronnie you yeah yeah man yeah. that's very cool nice so, be checking out the yeah, bride, nice the bride with the white hair pretty soon i guess should we checking that yeah <laughs> could, be next. could be next um and i mean so there's there's been a, a lot of horror movies and we also did the waxwork films um nice. she oh, loves she loves the waxwork films and They're i kind of fun. understand they are really fun and the concept is genius I yeah mean, it is a, genius it's a great great concept um and despite their low budgets i mean the second one is bonkers it is <laughs> it is it is uh, i agree time time travel and different dimensions and it ends with a with a with a rap video and it's very just, ambitious <laughs> But I love I love the enthusiasm, yeah. enthusiasm and the ambition. Despite their obviously low budgets, it kind of it doesn't doesn't hold them back. Yeah, no, I'm actually, it doesn't. They I've, go I, I've always been surprised that the waxwork films didn't get you know five or six sequels compared to some of the other films out there that do. Uh, oh, uh, I know it's it's baffling, and I'm surprised they have. And I said this a while ago. I'm surprised they haven't been remade. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 such it's a, right, so right. Yeah. A re, re remaking, yeah. Yeah, I'm amazed as well. I mean, I just it's one of those ones because with the right filmmakers and the like, we said the right enthusiasm. I mean, you can do just about anything with that concept. Mm. So. Totally, it's a great concept. Uh, we also watched Silver Bullet, yes. which yeah. you covered the show, and again uh, another favorite from the eighties. Very much in line with Fright Night and Lost Boys, especially he's got uh, Corey in it as well. That's right. and my daughter's now declared that Corey Haim is her is her favourite, her number one. She's got <laughs> quite the crush on uh, Mr. Haim, God rest his soul. Nice. Um, yeah, well, she wouldn't be the only one. I mean, he was obviously uh, quite the heartthrob for, yeah. for a yeah, generation, so right? For a generation and that age, and and I mean, he's got he's quite good in Silver Bullet. He's I yeah, was really quite impressed of, for. I mean, he must have been 12, 13 at the time, yeah. something like that. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. really good. He's yeah. really good in it. I think I said during the review. I mean, he had something. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he, yep. he started out really, really strong, and of course, you know, like a lot of things, they turned it into a, you know, a turn him into a Hollywood thing. But uh, yeah, no, Corey Haim, he. You know, I go back and look at that old stuff every now and then, and I'm like, oh, this is why he became what he became because he was, yeah, he was really good. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. Um, some others. I was obviously on a real. I think maybe the lockdown has kind of got me searching for comfort food, mm -hmm. nostalgia, comfort food. I mean, I've I've not been eating my vegetables. It's all been kind of, uh, junkier stuff, um, and it and it. I got drawn to three o'clock high, which is uh, oh so good. An, yeah, another old favorite. Again, the um, the filmmaking and the style of that uh, Phil Joanu. Yeah, 
his uh, camera work and editing and the energy of his direction is is really interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a shame he didn't work more. And my yeah, kids he, loved it. Three o'clock high is great, and raising Arizona was another one on that. In in that vein, talking about um, energy and and mm-hmm. kind of really powerful directing, it's that that's uh, that's quite something. The Cohen brothers, yeah. which oh, I, yeah. they kind of they never really they haven't really gone back to. It's been their stuff recently has been a, a lot more kind of subdued. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they haven't went as as far as they went with raising Arizona. I agree. Yeah, I mean that's. Raising Arizona is kind of more in line with the uh, crime wave and, and, and yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's much more punk rock in a lot of ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, the Sam Raimi thing. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> there's certainly that element. Um, uh, on, a, on a different tack, I watched uh, Straight Time, which oh, yes. I think you covered as well. And I'd never seen it before. Um, I think it was you guys talking about it that, that inspired me. And that's a phenomenal film. My God. Oh yeah. It might be for me the best that Dustin Hoffman has ever been on screen. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's up there. It's, uh, it goes to show the diversity, the range for him. Um, absolutely. He is fantastic in that film. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it, it does that thing that the 70s did so well. It has a bravery to put a character out there that's very flawed. The redemption isn't there. Mm-hmm. But we are along, and it's just it's endlessly fascinating and, and more honest than I think a cheap, redemptive angle would have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I've got two or three more because I've, I've rambled enough. Um, one of my favorite viewings um has been a 1989 film with uh mr brian thompson called nightwish um, <laughs> which uh, which i sent you guys a little clip from yes. um it's another throw in you know the kitchen sink it's got everything it's kind of a cross between it's like an early flatliners meets invasion of the body snatchers it's got lasers and uh, Argento <laughs> filters and oh. really slimy, goopy practical effects by K and B. Um, uh, it's it's a bonkers film. I I adored it. It's again for all its um, shortcomings, it's highly, highly entertaining. And uh, Brian Thompson is becoming uh, quite quite the favorite of mine. Yeah, yeah. I had never but, seen this one. I <clears throat> excuse me. I had known. Uh, I know of a film called Nightwish, uh, but it's not this one. Uh, the box art didn't even really kind of throw. Uh, you know, I looked into it after you sent that clip, and I'm like, I need to check this out. I got to check it out because yeah, it's cool. It's a really fun film, it's, yeah. and, and if you like that um, that uh, '80s practical kind of thing, it's I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's got uh, Jack you- Starrett in it as well. Uh, yeah, very underrated director, underappreciated. Yeah. Bob Tessier's yeah. in there as well, Will. Good old Bob Tessier. Oh yeah, but he hasn't been on the show in ages. No. Yeah. <laughs> we got. We got. I definitely. I'm. I'm put, moving this up my queue. Uh, you know what we should do <laughs> is Davey in a, in a, you know, a month or two get you back on and program that with something, man. Sure, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah. I, I will. I will sit on it waiting uh, to cover it because oh, that okay. that clip. It's like. Okay, I'm sold. Let me sign the check right now. Yeah. <laughs> You're sold on that on those twenty seconds. Yeah, yeah. yeah making a note okay. of that now. <laughs> yes. 
Um, the last two I'll talk about is um, Scoob, the brand new oh, yes. animated, which they put out to streaming. I think it was due to go to theaters. Yeah, It went streaming because of the lockdown. Um, my kids were very excited for it. I was excited for it. I'm a big, big Scooby-Doo fan. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. dear. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's, it's, it's obviously trying to reignite and kickstart a new franchise um yeah. but it's it's where, where's where's the scooby-doo where yeah. it's it's a superhero film it is aren't they all <laughs> yeah it and it's don't like, get sammy started yeah really i was so disappointed <laughs> yeah it, it no, starts I, off okay with with okay this is cool them as kids meeting each other yeah. they do a really nice homage to the original uh opening and then it just it it splits the gang up and it drops and it's a it's a blue falcon superhero wannabe marvel kind of what the fuck yeah <laughs> where's, yeah no where's know. the scooby-doo in your scoob movie yeah, yeah i know there's no mystery whatsoever there's uh <laughs> i mean they pretty much tell you everything like right at the, up front and then it's just a whole bunch of animation and i agree i i thought it was very muddled and a, and a big mess um I enjoyed it watching with my son, but I don't think I'll ever watch it again. And it's, uh, yeah, I think the best review, I think I, I talked about it last week. I think the best review is my daughter watched about 30 minutes of it. And then she was like, yeah, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So that, I mean, they're obviously, they're obviously trying to start a Hanna-Barbera universe, you know. And I understand the idea behind that, but man, it's, uh, it's pretty sloppy. The way they try to do it here, it's kind of it's really to be honest with you, it's kind of embarrassing. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the f the final thing I watched, which I watched last night uh, with my daughters, um, is a great a uh, great little movie from 2010 called A Boy and His Samurai. Oh my gosh, I've never even heard of this. Uh, 2010 uh, Japanese kind of low key. It's a low key comedy drama, but with a very high concept. Um, uh, the synopsis here is a samurai from the Edo period time travels to present day Japan where he meets a divorcee single mother and her son. Soon he discovers a passion for making pastries. Nice. <laughs> Which is quite the synopsis. It is. And it, and it's, it's not what you think it's going to be. Um, my two girls are fascinated with Japanese culture and pop culture uh, and all this cute kawaii stuff and anime and they really want to go to japan which is something we're planning for the future and they love their desserts obviously <laughs> and they like they love all these baking shows and sugar rush and bake-off and and it it perfectly encapsulated everything they're fascinated with and i have to say it's a it's a very sweet excuse the pun really charming really really charming film with a high concept that's treated in a very matter of fact, gentle, uh, really sweet way. I, I highly, highly recommend it. Nice. That it's, sounds amazing. There's, there's, there's no, it's not particularly flashy or showy, uh, you know, in the filmmaking sense. Um, and I mean, the, the, the concepts and the synopsis sounds quite broad, but it's, it's not, it's not presented in that way at all. And it's uh, it's a delightful film. Yeah. Nice. That's, yeah, you have my attention. Yeah, have to check it out. Yoshihiro Nakamura, the director. Yeah, I've not seen any of any of the other films, so I might have to check some out now. 
I believe I've seen one of his other films. I've seen Fish Story. but uh, <laughs> That's the only other one I'd heard of, um, yeah. and I haven't seen that, yeah. Yeah. So. But I'd never seen this one. Uh, I do remember the title some time ago. Obviously, anything with the word samurai in it, I kind of pay attention. But uh, mm. the uh, yeah, I never saw it. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm down for watching anybody make desserts that I'm not allowed to eat anymore. And oh boy, and some <laughs> of the talk about f- food porn. Some of the because uh, obviously he's a samurai, and he his his approach to, to basically in the movie in the fish out of water element, he, he tastes, uh, uh, a, a cream caramel custard and his, it blows his mind cause he's never, obviously <laughs> never tasted anything like it. And he's then fascinated by making pastries and desserts and puddings. And he nice. takes his, uh, warrior samurai dedicated, you know, approach to cooking. And of course he becomes great. And yeah. uh, some of the things that he prepares and, he, they, he enters a cooking, a TV show cooking competition with the little boy, and some of the cakes they make are just like mm. f- phenomenal. Yeah, mm. yeah that that. Uh, that samurai sounds like our samurai. Yeah, if, yeah, for that, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Sammy, I'm, I'm a big fan of baking and making uh, the sugary treats. And uh, oh, you need to check this out. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. <laughs> I definitely do. Uh, it's I'm, got your name written all over it. It literally. does. Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah. <laughs> I am a I am a well versed warrior in eating that type of stuff. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How'd you stumble onto this one, Davey? Um, I can't remember. Um, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> probably, like a lot of these things, through Letterboxd, just going through. Oh yeah recommendations and going down a rabbit hole on letterboxd yeah sure yeah, yeah. and you can find some really interesting lists people put up some really really interesting lists on there which can lead you onto some discoveries yeah 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 i love i love letterboxd uh it's usually the the really only the real social media i really use anymore is letterboxd because mm. it takes me down the uh i get into people's letterbox to see what they've been watching i check out what you've been watching i check out what everybody's been watching and uh it just takes me down a rabbit hole, and a lot of the stuff I pick for the show, a lot of that is inspired by Letterbox. Believe it or not. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So that's uh, quite the list of stuff, and there is a lot of comfort food in there, man. I've, I've been thinking about revisiting the Friday the Thirteenth. Believe it or not, I haven't watched them in over a decade. Uh, so I've been thinking about going down that rabbit hole, and I haven't yet, but I probably will soon. Uh, will, what have you been up to? Uh, I watched a few things. I'll keep it very brief here in the interest of... Uh, well, I didn't watch anything, so... <laughs> okay, nice, nice. Um, so, yeah, like Davey had said, we're, you know, in the midst of um, lockdown. So that enables us to get into uh, a lot more stuff. Now, we had a short turnaround here. We recorded a few nights ago. Uh, so there hasn't been a ton of stuff but i did want to mention a couple things i watched an absolutely fantastic uh mainland chinese neo-noir called the wild goose lake this thing was just this is a new this is a new thing right this is a new yeah yeah. this is a movie yeah yeah yeah. this is a good one i've seen the poster i didn't know what it was but i never would have thought that was a chinese film yeah, it's fan- it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Diao Yunnan did um, black was it black coal? Was it black coal, white ice. What was it called a few years ago? Oh yeah, black, black coal thin ice. Yeah, black coal thin ice. Yeah, yeah right. <clears throat> which was great. 
This one, fantastic. It is just, it looks like a Refn film. It's just bathed in neon. It's just, it looks gorgeous. I absolutely loved it. I was, um, truth be told, I don't know if I've ever really said this. I mean, people maybe read between the lines, but I don't want to say I've been resistant to a lot of mainland Chinese film because, I mean, good film is good film, but I've always lamented the kind of creative death of Hong Kong cinema. So, out of loyalty to Hong Kong, I've been, you know, I'm not going to get too much into the mainland stuff. And I always worry about censorship and and everything else. But I got to say, over the, the past five years or so, the output from mainland China has just been really, really good. There's been some really good stuff. And I really would encourage people to check this out. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, high recommend for me. If I was going to do a top 30 list, this would be probably... Maybe, maybe top 10, but probably for sure in like wow. the, maybe for sure in like the 11 to 20 range, I think. It's um, cool. a bit minimal in spots, but you know, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, my wife sent us down the rabbit hole with the Matrix trilogy, and we wrapped up the trilogy uh, with the with Reloaded and Revolutions. I hadn't seen these since the theatrical run. Now that's going back now almost 20 years i mean we're talking 17 years it's uh, crazy yeah it's absolutely crazy it's been that long i'm really thankful that i did watch these again because as i'm watching with my kids i'll provide them with some insight or you know a little bit of behind the scenes stuff and yeah i said it last week uh, on our show it's kind of this bridge film between when we didn't have this abundance of, of superhero films. It really is a superhero film for all intents and purposes. But the thing that I'm most in awe of and, and I respect about this film now, and one of the huge things we talk about with our kids is inclusion and representation in film. And I'm watching these and I'm thinking the majority of the characters are people of color and women, which are so underrepresented in action films. Um, that it just, I really, really respected that. And uh, the worlds that the Wachowskis created, it's just, uh, again, talk about ambitious, very ambitious. And, you know, for some, they get kind of philosophical, kind of psycho babble, and they get in, you know. A little, uh, little convoluted, a little bit. Oh, I'll tell you when the, uh, when the, not the key maker, when the architect is talking to Neo, my kids go, what's going on here? Yeah. I said, I'd love to tell you if I knew, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the scene, the scene is almost, I mean, it teeters on parody yeah. of itself a little yeah. bit, but yeah. again, I admire their ambition to go for it and to make the films they wanted to make. Yeah. Um, they, 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 were pushing, they were pushing the envelope. They were definitely, you know, crossing boundaries with, yes. with, with, with a lot of their work. Mm-hmm. Oh, big time. And just to, to be able to make this stew that's very, of course, very passionate for them, you know, uh, Eastern philosophy and and a lot of the Hong Kong action cinema stuff and the, the sci-fi elements. Um, there's so much in the cauldron here. And I got to say, it for me these have aged quite well yeah um and well, I'll, and you know what's the remarkable thing was the cgi holds up 17 years later yeah pretty pretty for well. the most part i the, this the, so a little behind the scenes tidbit i had thrown the matrix trilogy out as coverage for episode 500 oh my god william that said that to me he goes dad why don't you guys cover the trilogy <laughs> and, and, and i was like because he's been trying to think of something to help us out yeah and this is before you rewatch it obviously will but will was like eh, i don't really have any interest in doing the matrix trilogy <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, William, being the prophet that he was, 
uh, and Sammy for that matter. Yeah. These, as I'm watching them, I'm thinking in my head, boy, these would be interesting to talk about now, yeah. almost there's, 20 years removed. Look, there's a lot and, of conversation there, too, because of the Wachowskis and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, searching for identities and things like yep. that. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of meat on the bone there than just there the, is. the big budget sci-fi uh, aspects of the trilogy itself. So, oh yeah, and like they, they, they were right in the middle of of making the the fourth one when the pandemic and lockdown hit. They no were way, right yeah. in the middle of shooting it. In I think they were in Berlin. They were based in Berlin, and uh, I know some people that were working on it. And I, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with that now. Yeah. Oh wow! But I'll tell you, I am very thankful to have rewatched these because good. Good. much like. Uh, it's, you know, you, it's things get a bit oversaturated and you get a bit removed from them and you forget why you love them. Yeah. And this was a really nice reminder of why I love them. And yeah. uh, I'm glad my kids saw them and I'm glad they dug them. So it's awesome. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, wanted to show my kids Demolition Man and we watched it nice. and they absolutely loved it. Nice. Absolutely nice. loved it. And see, I had kind of segued into this because they liked Sly and then I showed them Passenger 57 and then it was like, oh, that's 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 the guy from Passenger 57. <laughs> so, and I got to say, now my kids are getting to that phase where they're really appreciating the, a good villain in a film because they, my, William turns to me uh, when Mr. Simon Phoenix is really going, you know, really turning it on thick and he goes, Dad, he goes, he's one of the best villains I've seen in a film. Yeah. Uh, I go, yeah, he's a lot of fun. Um but you know what was really bizarre for me and Davey? It's actually, uh, it's good that you're on the show from a timing perspective with this. Uh-huh. So I was watching this and I'm waiting for the Taco Bell line to get the Taco Bell bits to come on. Yeah. And they start saying Pizza Hut. <laughs> and I'm going, I'm going, what? <laughs> what the fuck's going on here? And Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut. They go to the restaurants, Pizza Hut. I'm thinking, am I lost my mind? I, it was Taco Bell. Mm. So right away I get on Google and I'm going, Demolition Man, Pizza Hut. Turns out the international cut of this film yeah. right. releases put Pizza Hut as the the quote unquote gourmet restaurant of the future. Yeah. Whereas in North America, it was Taco Bell, and the reason was at the time of release, Taco Bell wasn't as well known internationally as Pizza Hut. Right. <laughs> so I had, I was just like, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, li- licensing baby and territories and product placement, and you know they they do deals with all these brands and yeah. Depending on the territory, yeah. Very, very strange. Um, just watched two two other things. I'd been very keen to watch. This is TV related, but I feel like you know we've kind of ventured into that realm a little bit. Uh, I had read that um, Derek C in France. I, I don't know if that's how even how to pronounce his name of Blue Valentine fame. Uh, had a show on HBO with Mark Ruffalo playing twin brothers. I know this much is true. Right. Um, this I love his work. Uh, he plums a lot of emotional depths, and this seemed to be kind of going down that road. Uh, the wife and I caught the first episode, and I'm definitely going to keep watching it. It's uh, Ruffalo's always been an actor I've quite liked. Um, of course, he was tied up in the uh, Marvel Universe work at some time, so it's nice to see him do something uh, where he can stretch his legs. Did that director do Place Beyond the Pines? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Which yeah. I also quite liked. Yeah, yeah. So this is a good one. It's it's emotionally very heavy. Um, deals with mental illness, uh, tragedy, some things that he's some roads he's gone down before as a director. So um, yeah, very keen to see where this goes. Definitely not with the kids though. Uh, yeah. Hard stuff to watch. Um, 
And then finally, last night, we threw on uh, with the kids. They're they're Quentin Tarantino fans. Uh, they've seen two of his films, uh, Kill Well, three, I guess, technically. The Kill Bills and Inglorious Bastards. Um, and William had really wanted to watch The Black Klansman. And I thought, ah, maybe not tonight. We'll throw it on another time. Um, so I said, you know, let's watch Django. Um, so we threw on Django. And I haven't seen Django in a few years. And I've been, as I've gotten older, I mean, it's kind of been talked about by me. I distant, Not distancing myself, but not as in love with Tarantino as I once was. Um, so I was curious how I was going to feel about this one. And I think going into it now with diminished expectations and knowing what it was going to be, I enjoyed it quite well. Uh, you know, it's about a seven and a half for me, maybe. Uh, looks good. Um, there's a few harsh things I cover my kids' eyes for, but I did prepare them going in. I said, look, you're going to hear a lot of ugly language here, but I said, it's important that you see this because this, you know, this happened and this is the reality of, of things. Um, so we watched it and they really loved it. They absolutely adored it. And for them, it was really cool to see Hans Landa Ugh. be a bad guy. I mean, sorry, be a good guy. Yeah, you're yeah, a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And to see um, Leonardo DiCaprio as a bad guy, and I'd say, you know, he's, you know, does a lot of work, in, you know, environmental and this and that. And um, so it's interesting to see them get into that realm. And uh, yeah, for me, it was fun to go back and watch it and uh, see some. And, oh, and the other thing was to see Sam Jackson. They love Sam Jackson. And for them to see Sam, uh, to see Nick Fury be such a reprehensible character, but to explain the emotional complexity and um, of, and the motivations for a character like that uh, was, you know, an interesting conversation. So I, I maintain the back end of this one is far too goofy for its own good. Um, but uh, on the whole, as a genre film, you can certainly do a lot worse. And Tarantino's dialogue was as sharp as ever. Yeah. yeah. A couple of great looks at the camera in that movie that I've always, uh, the two things I always remember, I remember the scene where, uh, Django is riding into the plantation and Sam Jackson sees him from the porch. Oh, yeah. And then I remember the moment that uh, DiCaprio figures things out and he's looking around That's, the table. Mm, and you know what? That It was a good scene. And I, my wife and I were talking about how he, he cut his hand for real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, could see him, you could see him look at it like shit. Yeah. But he keeps going. <laughs> he keeps going. He's good in the film. I had forgotten. Yeah. How good he is in the film. He is good. Uh, I will say though, when he does start ranting and raving, there is a little bit of that uh, that manchild stuff that comes out. <laughs> there is, but but it almost works to yeah. the benefit of the yeah. film. Oh yeah, because he's like a petulant child. He's, he is a petulant child. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Waltz, I'll tell you, beard game. You know, Kurt is the king, but <laughs> and Franco speaking of beard game, but Waltz can grow a mean beard. Yeah, those back and it looks it looks fantastic. Those back to back performances from Waltz working with Tarantino are kind of unbelievable. Oh, you, they're they're among my favorite performances. As yeah. much say say what I will about you know not loving his films as much as I used to, but um, I I could just watch Waltz all day, and it's fun to see him and and Sam Jackson together, two of Tarantino's greatest. But I'll tell you, we were watching the film, and and William sees uh, Waltz, and he's very impeccably dressed in the films. Yeah. And William looks at me and he goes, well, he's quite the man of style, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes, son, he certainly is. He's dapper. 
Nice. Well, there you go. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, like I said, I haven't watched anything. I've been busy, and it was a quick turnaround, and it is what it is. But uh, I'm glad you guys had a lot to fill out the opening here. So we are good. I guess we'll take a short break and uh, come back. And uh, we usually go in chronological order, but I'll leave it up to Davey if he wants to go with – it depends on what you got more to say on, I guess. Uh, oh, um, I've got – I've probably got more notes on Color of Night. So you want to do Let's that one do first? It. Let's do it. All right, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll be back right after this. A lot of people don't yeah. know. That's a song I wrote just for Will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this CD. Uh, yeah. That, that, that song. Deep. Yeah, it kind of encapsulates the movie in a lot of ways. If you listen to the lyrics, it's kind of interesting. But uh, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get into that now because uh, this should be a pretty fun conversation here. Uh, yeah. Color of Night, 1994. It's it's so interesting. I can remember where I was when I rented this movie and all that good stuff. And the first time I watched it, and I thought, well, I'll probably never talk with, about that movie with anybody ever in my life. That's kind of a personal thing. And here we are, you know, 20 plus years later, and uh, I have you know this podcast and all these things and these likewise friends and all this stuff. And boom, it comes up. As a matter of fact. Kind of behind the scenes, I had asked Will. I said, "Do we know what Davy's picking? Because you know, the erotic thriller. There's a lot of there's a lot of good pickings out there. You can there, there's a lot of roads we could go down." And I said, "Do you know what he's picking?" And I'm like curious. I'm like, "Is he going to pick a heavy hitter or one that was perceived to be a heavy hitter?" And in my head, and this is no 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 bullshitting beside. In my head, I thought I'd be amazed if he doesn't pick Color of Night. And uh, when Will came back, he told me that, and I was like, holy shit, he picked it. I, I, I can't believe it. So I was really pumped about the whole thing because I was like. Oh, you, you know me too well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like one of those How moments. Yeah. No, it's, it's called Cut from the Same Cloth there, bite. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, it also might just be that uh, all three of us can agree that uh, Jeff Corey in a hot tub is much hotter than Bruce Willis and Jane March in a pool having sex. So. <laughs> 
That is undoubtedly. That is GGTMC to the bone, as we like to say. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, Color of Night, Richard Rush, 1994, uh, colorblind psychiatrist Bill Kappa uh, is stalked by an unknown killer after taking over his murdered friend's therapy group. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, this 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 one gets pretty deep. Uh, especially in the kind of psychotherapist uh, realm. But uh, essentially, that's uh, kind of the basic plot synopsis. This one's got Bruce Willis in it. Jane March, who had a uh, kind of a red-hot start. Um, she made uh, some back-to-back movies that were... Uh, I think The Lover was her first film. And uh, she's... So. Yeah, she was uh, nude through the majority of that movie. And she kind of became a bit of a... Well, for lack of a better word, this word kind of encapsulates everything, but Skinamax type star for a little while. She's still working. She still does stuff. Um, she's the same age as me, as a matter of fact. And uh, it's uh, it's interesting to see her again, just to kind of go back and look at that. But we also got Ruben Blades. We got Leslie Ann Warren. We got Scott Bakula. This, this cast is unbelievable. Brad Dorif, Lance Henriksen, Kevin J. O'Connor. We got Eric LaSalle in here. Jeff Corey. Shirley Knight shows up. I mean, and Shirley Knight just passed away recently. I mean, it's 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 crazy the cast, but this, then this cast is wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think to yourself, you know, how they get this cast together, and then I think to myself, well, Richard Rush, you know, in '94 he hadn't worked in a while, but he had a bit of a reputation in uh, Hollywood for being this kind of quality director, so it kind of made sense. And then digging into the trivia, I saw that uh, uh, Bill Bruce Willis, Bill Willis, Bruce Willis had. Uh, uh, casting approval so i gotta give willis a little bit of credit if uh he had some approval in this he he picked he helped pick some uh pretty solid actors yeah he did although i read some trivia somewhere that uh richard rush wanted um uh rails back your guy yeah <laughs> he rails our, our boy rails back yeah. i think for the lance henriksen part and bruce willis said nope yeah henriksen's a better choice i believe yeah he yeah. is, and uh, it's interesting, but, man, I, I wouldn't have uh, – I know all three of us wouldn't have uh, mind seeing no. uh, the rails oh, back. Cause, yeah, as, as always, uh, rails back brings uh, – anybody <laughs> – he brings 110% to everything he does. <laughs> yeah, his, his own brand of special sauce. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, there's uh, very few actors like him. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, it, you know, we didn't get the rails back, but we did get uh, – you can totally see that too. I think uh, uh, yeah. Lance Henderson gives a somewhat Railsback esque performance in this film. Actually, it's it's a different performance than we're used to getting from Henriksen. Yeah, right? a lot of emotion. Yeah, he's good. Like he's he's pretty earnest in the like he takes it seriously and he's pretty earnest. Uh, I, I I like seeing this turn from him. In fact, it made me lament that he never got to do more kind of earnest stuff in his career. Yeah. Oh, he looks great in this movie too. Like he's like the he perfect age. His his face looks good. All yeah. that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, I don't know who wants to lead on this. Uh, I don't know if we uh, if Davy's got uh, if he wants to. I'll obviously leave it up to him. Uh, yeah, it's your choice, Davy. Whatever you want to do, buddy. Um. Okay, you fucking daffodils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, okay. I love it. I'll, I'll lead, and I want to start. Uh, are we doing spoilers? Uh, I'd rather not. If we can avoid it. Oh, yeah. uh, this yeah. is going to be tricky then, uh, because uh, this film and the next film both come with a twist. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what, what? They, they have really Sammy? big ones. 
Go on, Sammy. Yeah, Come on. yeah, yeah. They do. They both these films do have a twist. Uh, they, they, there's oh, definitely no what? doubt about yeah, it. What? <laughs> a twist. Oh, I love some titty, I love it. titty twist, and <laughs> a couple of them here. Oh, yeah. Um. Okay, so that's gonna make it quite tricky to talk yeah, about. But I'll, yeah. do, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my make best. Like uh, Fred Astaire here. Okay. Um. So, I believe we watched the director's cut. Yes, I think but so. We even did. though I say that, apparently there's four cuts of this film. Yep. It's like Blade Runner. He's, yeah, they've, they've gone Ridley Scott on this, this this thing. So there's there's two. There's a theatrical version, a producer's cut, and two director's cuts. Now, I don't know which is which, but I I believe this is the the most complete version. Yeah, I, I think so. I I can tell you that even though I saw this film ages ago, and I've only this is only the second time I've seen it, watching it this time, there's a lot of stuff I don't remember at all, and I have to believe. Um. That you know, this is the director's cut. the The version I believe there is a Blu-ray out there. I think with uh, a a um, a commentary track from Richard Rush, which I'd oh, be wow. dying okay. to hear. Okay. Yeah, so I would love to have that. Yeah, yeah, that would be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there is one out there, and I'm pretty sure this is that cut. I'm pretty positive. Okay, so I, I remember, I do remember the the infamous sex scenes, um, but. I I did not recall just how violent and goofy this film is. Kind of <laughs> gonzo, just yeah, big time. Yeah, you know it, it, this isn't a spoiler. Uh, I don't think, and I'll say this, um, but <laughs> when you, uh, you when you show up, at, uh, I'll just say. I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but I just want to throw this out there real quick. When you get to the group therapy scene, it's it's pretty clear something is off with a character uh, pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, I want to give credit where it's due. I don't think it's as ridiculously obvious. Like, something's off, but yeah. it, you just can't quite put your – I mean, for me at least. Hmm. Um, I remember the, like, the first time I saw it, I was young. I was about 15, so mm-hmm. it admittedly kind of – what? But, you know, looking at this time, I still thought, you know what? I've seen things handled worse. Like, I don't know. It, it, Yeah, I don't know. You just can't point with your finger on it, but I don't think it's as obvious as, well, I'm dancing around here. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just want to throw that out there. I mean, it is a, a tough thing to talk about. But, oh, it, yeah. you know, I, I mean, the minute I got to that group scene, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember what's going on. It it brought back a lot of memories uh, very quickly of the movie. So, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Davey. Sorry. So, um, I I like the opening to this film. I think it's got a very strong strong opening. Uh, again, very indebted to De Palma. Big yes. time. Yeah. And and Hitchcock. Oh yeah. And uh, Argento. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's yeah. it's all of all of those elements to it um uh Kath, is it kathleen wilhoit yeah yes it sure is and i gotta say she's low-key and this is very bizarre <laughs> i've always had a little thing for her and i don't know why but well it's because of roadhouse yeah. that's what i think well yeah i guess it must be but um we get treated to her and this certainly isn't my thing but i'm glad my kids didn't walk in and see her filleting a gun 
Oh yeah, this is this I, is. A, I don't know how I, I'd explain I, that. There's, there's something about I mean uh, a lipstick carousel, which I've never seen before. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I've got a thing about the smeared lipstick, and especially oh, yes. on the yes. teeth. Like that yes. really grosses me out. Yeah, yeah. So that the teeth is bad. With with uh, filleting the the gun, there's, there's something really quite disgusting about that. Yeah, yeah. That is really gross. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm. It's. But it, I mean, it it gives us a good statement of intent here. Like this is this is where we're playing. Yeah. When your opening scene has a woman with smeared lipstick sucking off a gun <laughs> before really ending things spectacularly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the punchline to this opening is um is pretty it's it's it kind of sets the operatic yes tone of the movie. Um and uh, another thing that, that I don't remember about this um and because of revisiting it the, the the action it's it's quite there's a lot of stunt work in this there is and there's some pretty fantastic pretty epic dummy work yeah there's the epic dummy dummy death at the beginning yeah. yeah that thing i mean pound for pound it's one of the best falls from a building i've seen yeah, yeah. It, it it like drags on a little too long almost to the point of being uncomfortable uh even mm. more so than it would be i guess uh but there's something about that that fall from the building that's it's epic. It's one of my favorites, probably of all time. Oh, yeah, and it's kind of eerie. There's there's something disturbing about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The flailing just doesn't stop, and you're like, oh my god, this is yeah. this is bad. Yeah, how much longer is this going to go on? Is what you think, and then you get a payoff uh, too, which but, is uh, a great. It's a great opening, and then sets up the 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 um, idea of him going colorblind as the pool of blood fades and kind of turns gray uh-huh. which is a shame which they don't really use throughout the rest of the film no. they introduce this um this unique character trait but it's not really featured or used much throughout the rest of the film no they bring no, it up very little it's it's brought up they don't use the trait visually it's more just a conversation piece really uh yeah between the jane march character and the bruce willis character um that's brought up a couple times, maybe too many, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's never that great visual effect too of uh, seeing the blood, the reddest blood he'd ever seen, which is a great uh, line, and then uh, it kind of fading to this kind of uh, grayish character, a mm. uh, grayish color, is is really a nice touch. It really is. And so after that, we uh, we know that he. He has a like a mentor, uh, an older therapist guy that advises him, an old friend, like his uh, therapy Yoda. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which, who has some some pearls of wisdom. I mean, on the whole, the the therapy and um, science of this film is pretty skewed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's it's movie therapy. We yeah, we're we're willing to go with it for the sake of the movie for sure but 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 it serves its purpose and it, it gives us mm-hmm. you know the context and the threads um but uh, again when 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 we get to LA and uh Scott Bakula and and his his group again the, the cast is is phenomenal and I love the way they introduce them I mean it's a very oh, yeah. 
it's quite it's quite by the numbers and here's this character and here's their problem and the, the setup is is there but it's um it's very effective and it is as, as an ensemble they're, they're they're great it's it's uh great chemistry um brad i'm a big fan of brad durif as well yeah. and see he's gets to play a little bit against type too i mean he's very straight laced in this he's not some you know crazy scumbag but the thing i like about that opening and with the, the revolving you know with uh willis being taken around the room is if you kind of see the this pit he's walking into yeah right and it kind of sets him up to have to uh, you know contend with uh with all these people right it, it works well yeah, and i gotta it's, give it it's almost like um cluedo clue yeah yeah no for sure colonel mustard and and it yeah, sets up right. your players on the on the on the board yeah, yeah. and i gotta give a big shout out to scott bacula i always have a soft spot for the bacula because i was a big quantum leaf fan as a kid yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. so yes. it's always a welcome sight and you know i gotta say seeing him in this him and willis have a nice easy chemistry as friends and i, I wish bacula did more film that that I don't know. It's too bad. I mean, not that he was a powerhouse, but he was always very likable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He is extremely likable. Yeah. I agree. There is something very likable about Bakula. I don't know what it is. He just seems like a very easy going. He seems like he genuinely would be a really nice person. Like, you know, if yeah. I met him, like he'd be like, hey, how's it going? You know, just a genuinely yeah, totally. very nice guy because his, his characters always seem like that to me. Yeah, they do. No, no, speaking of Clue, you've got um, Leslie Ann Warren in there. Yes. She's- she was in Clue, right? Yeah. Yeah, she was. So, good call. Sammy Seeks, think- there's a Sammy secret here. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a oh. huge crush, 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 crush. <laughs> I'll try to get it out on Leslie Ann Warren. I have had a thing for her most of my life from my teenage really? years. Yeah. Uh, she is She is delightful. Yeah. I have always had a thing for her. I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> she exudes for me. Some type yeah. of sexuality that uh, just really works. Scarlet She is incredibly horny in this film. Yeah. Is she ever? Which really helped me a lot. She is on, on heat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so was I, Dare Bay. Um, and that, oh man, that, that, there's like a, a baseball mitt leather chair. Yeah. Uh, that chair must, would not have been cheap. No. <laughs> They still sell those things, though. I, I've thought about getting one for my kind of uh, man cave area. <laughs> it, it feels like something you would have seen in like a late '80s sitcom, like My Two Dads, or yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. It's it's a pretty amazing piece, though. It is. But then, in in stark contrast to that, when Willis gets to Bacula's pad, like in a lot of these uh, erotic thrillers, you've uh, like in Body Double and in in Cold of the Night, these these amazing. <laughs> weird almost sci-fi mansions it's just the weirdest house i've ever seen yeah and it's all concrete and glass and marble and plastic and yeah this almost weird brutalist sci-fi yeah environment it's an yeah. interesting element you bring up because when i think about erotic thrillers and i've seen more than a handful in my day one of the things that always kind of stands out is these kind of we we talk about uh, heroes in films having like bat caves or these yeah. kind of areas where they go. Well, in erotic thrillers, for whatever reason, there always seems to be a house, a house that there you look is. at. Yeah, a house that you look at and you think 
nobody lives like this. Yeah, that's not a real house. Yeah. Both films this week have just these incredible pads. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's a, that seems to be an erotic thriller staple is, is this like houses designed by people who work on movies. <laughs> that's the best way I can put it. I mean, cause they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of designed within an inch of their life. Yeah. yeah they don't yeah. really, they don't really make any sense in some ways. No. They're just kind of like, what the hell? I like the geography of the Bacula house is pretty bizarre. Uh, it, it works, but it, at the same time, I was like, that door makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there's so much about the house that don't make any sense. And of course, his taste in furniture, Bacula's taste in furniture, or... Oh, man, his desk with the <laughs> giant bronze eagle heads on the corners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then his bed, his bed is insane. I have no idea what's going on there. It's got this, like, no. carved-out woman-type uh, look to it. It's very... It's, it's just crazy. It's a crazy house. And it feels like a house, like they they centered the movie on, like they got this location, and they're like Richard Rush is like, yeah, this is going to be the house, and we're and I guess it's a real house because uh, there's scenes where uh, Bacula and Willis are riding a bike and they're all looking off to that house in the distance, so it looks like it's a real place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love to um, love to see that house now. Now, Bacula has uh, quite the demise in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, the, the 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 murder which kicks off the whole investigation. Um, it's a, a brutal and again totally giallo Argento kill. And oh, yeah. I mean, it's a really well put together scene and very effective and incredibly violent. Um, yeah. Oh God, it, it's punctuated. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And and the killer has a, a like a chainmail glove with a blade that sticks out it's it's like what the fuck (laughs) oh man it's 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 so italian it's so unbelievably italian it totally is and yeah and they even say the killer is 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 like giggling in a weird golem type voice which which again in and of itself very giallo yeah 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 the italians love their uh strange voices um is is and they love Psychobabble yeah. for uh, to to explain away <laughs> what's happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the the I love that scene. I love uh, I love the way it works. I love the lighting of the chainmail glove with a knife. I mean, if there is a if there is a glove that the GGTMC would sponsor, this one's this one's got to be top five, right? <laughs> Power glove. Yeah. yeah. All it needs on it, if it had a butterfly knife on it, it'd be it'd be <laughs> the deal would be sealed, man. It'd be, yeah. <laughs> you'd have to swing that glove around a couple times. You know. <laughs> um, and then next in the movie, um, one of my favorite parts about this film is Reuben Blades. Mm, he is coked up. He's turned up to eleven, man. He he's he's on another planet. Yeah, he, he he's, brings he, it. He's either on another planet or he just does not give a fuck. That man gives absolutely zero fucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's he really goes full throttle. He's in fifth gear from the word jump in this one. Yeah. He feels like he, he almost feels like he's in another movie. <laughs> he, does. he does. Yeah. <laughs> but he but he brings some I think much needed levity to the thing, uh, some mm-hmm. entertainment value to the story because it's it's pretty maudlin uh, up until he shows up. 
Mm-hmm. And once he, he does, show, yeah, once he, he shows up, he has the element of um, kind of just how ridiculous things yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, and you know he he has that great line where you know if it was my friend, you know, you know what I'd do with Miranda, I'd fuck her up the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, at that point, you think to yourself, oh, okay, this is what this character is, and then he just you know he escalates from there. Uh, and you know he's he's a lot of fun in the movie. Ruben Blades has always been fun. He's he's a he's a fun character actor, and I'm always Absolutely. he's one of those guys that every time he shows up. Uh, you know, he's just one of those guys. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is cool, man. I mean, this film might not be that great, but it's got Ruben Blades in it, man. And uh, yeah. you know, he, I mean, when, when he shows up to the group therapy session, he says, "The uh, listen, I'm you fucking daffodils. Your shrink is dead." Yeah. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mic, mic drop. Boom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He's pretty hardcore in this movie. He's got a lot of great and, lines. He does, and Bruce Willis, I think, says describes him as you know, you are one sinister piece of work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got a he's he's got all the really in a lot of ways he's got all the best lines in the movie. Uh, he has he's got some crackers. Yeah. yeah. There's there's some I'm, I'm trying to see if I got the quotes pulled up here because there's a couple other ones he has too. Oh, hey, you going to spend the night up there? You and little Miss Fenderbender and and then the, one of the other things uh he calls her uh he says uh, something about fending benders or something like that. He says that to her too. Yeah, he does. Or he says it to Bruce yeah. Willis. When they go to the uh, the nightclub, some kind of weird grunge, tropical grunge club, <laughs> which is the <laughs> strangest place for a meeting. Um, uh, he he I think he calls someone a wombat. He calls them wombats, <laughs> <laughs> daffodils, wombats. Yeah, and he starts weird. talking about Bruce Willis's dick, and yeah. Bruce Willis says, uh, "I appreciate your concern for my dick." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's just like it's like what are oh. we, who wrote this. And there's that great exchange when he goes, nice bush. I'll tell her you said so. It will mean a lot. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite moments of the movie. It's low-key, like, comedy gold. Yeah. Which which is leads me on to that there is a lot of humor in this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think not, not unintentional. I yeah. think intentional, which is very in line with Richard Rush's work. I think yeah. he liked to inject some humor even if it was uh goofy or some black comedy or just there's definitely a, a streak of humor um and it can go from very morbid maudlin to to quite silly comedy yeah yep yep uh, which, which which intrigues me you know yeah well for sure and it shows that rush knows the material and as much as he wants to play it straight faced he's also not above winking with us you know um, yeah i I, I get the sense that you know this this film has a lot of criticism, mm. and it is odd. It is an odd film, but I just get the feeling that Rush knew what he was doing. Uh, yeah. I think often things were taken out of his hands by studio and producers and, and and meddled with. But I honestly believe that if he'd been left to his own devices and not um, things weren't meddled with it would be a, f- a far weirder film and these idiosyncrasies yeah. would, would come through more and it might be a bit more nuanced i don't know but it feels intentional yeah what is the uh i'm trying to look right here now for the differences in the cuts so we're talking 19 minutes 19 or 20 minutes that's a big that's, chunk that's, that's a big like chunk. 20 minutes yeah. yeah so that changes the complexity of a movie completely 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, some director's cuts only have as much as two minutes added back into them. So a key scene, or yeah, you know. So it changes the complexity quite a bit. And I remember seeing it when I saw it the first time. I remember thinking, this is a bit of a mess, but it's not. There was a lot of news. You know, I used to watch a lot of behind-the-scenes movie shows and and read magazines and stuff. There was a lot of uh, back backstage news about this movie and mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, complaining. This is one of the first times I heard about Bruce Willis being a real prick behind the uh, behind the scenes and things like that. So when this came out, I thought it was going to be a total shit show, but it actually is, uh, certainly this cut is not even remotely close to the shit show it's claimed to be. No. no. But apparently what happened was that there was so much behind the scenes um, disputes that Richard Rush, this is not his ideal cut. It is too long. The movie is too long, and apparently he agrees on that yeah. because yeah. – he he fought with the producers to to get his own cut. Eventually, they granted it to him, but he had two weeks to deliver his cut. So what we're seeing is he's put everything in that he wants in, and then he didn't get the chance to then tweak it and fine tune it and just trim it down a bit. So it is bloated, yeah. And I think during that process, he had, he was so stressed that he had a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. And it, so it, he, it might explain why he's not really done much since either. No, so he went through hell, it seems, in the making of this film. That's too bad. Uh, but back, back to the, the comedy angle, uh, something else that, that illustrates this is when Bruce Willis gets back to the house and it's been flooded and he slips on the wet marble floor. It's like, it's a, but he doesn't just fall down. It's like a <laughs> big legs in the air, arse over tit, kind of big slapstick pratfall. Yeah. Oh and my gosh. But it looks so painful. Cool. Oh yeah. And like he as, as a man in his forties now, <laughs> I saw him hit that hard uh, tile, that wet hard tile, and I thought, man, my 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 back hurts just looking at that. Yeah. Yeah, you know what the, you know what the difference between a man in his forties falling down like that is and a man in his twenties. A man in his twenties, it hurts. Man in his forties, it changes your life. <laughs> it it you're laid out for a few weeks. Yeah. I mean, oh, if yeah. if it doesn't cause you a permanent injury that you got to live with the rest of your life. I mean, you know, the older I get, the more cautious I am of uh, slipping and falling because, you know, I mean, just the 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 fear of uh, falling and breaking a hip and or something like that. You know. It's it's easy to make light of, but I mean it's no joke. <laughs> even True. getting in, even getting in the shower, I'm a little bit more ginger than I used to be back yeah. in the day. You know, like ooh easy now, easy ooh easy. <laughs> Don't want to get in the shower, come out, man. Not being able to walk. Talk about a twist. <laughs> no <good. laughs> Spinal twist. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's talk about Jane March then. Um, I think we first meet her, um, the uh, the fender bender, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and that that red dress coming to the mansion, which she looks pretty good in. Yeah, um, I I think not not. I mean, she looks great, but she's got a very unique look. She's she seems to be of of, of mixed mixed ethnicity, mi- mixed race, but she's got a very strong look. Um, yes. But, I think she does pretty well in this movie. I mean, she she's yeah. to play kind of 
She's uh, asked how, to. How do I do this without spoiling? Well, she's asked to uh, have. A, there's a lot of diversity to her role, right? And she's asked yeah. to wear a few different hats, right? So, yes, um, in a manner of speaking, so I do think she handles it reasonably well, and I think she's, um, I think she's quite believable in in the uh, the many layers to her performance. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a heavy performance for somebody so young to take on. I mean, she's only twenty to twenty one years old here. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and she, like I said, she hasn't done a whole lot, but she had done the Lover before this when she was eighteen years old. She was young, and wow. she's she's very very nude in that film. It's very much a an erotic film. Now, I don't know if it's a thriller. I can't remember, but I remember seeing it uh, and. Obviously, I was younger and, you know, nudity and all that good stuff. But um, she was very nude in that. And then she's very nude in this. And then I thought, well, I guess that's just going to be her career. But she kind of got away from that stuff quite a bit, it seems like. And, uh, you know, she's done some stuff. She, she was in Jack the Giant Killer not too long ago. And she was, Clash of the Titans. Yeah, Clash of the Titans remake. She was in that. So she's, she's still, quite enjoyed, yeah. Yeah, she's still popping up and stuff here and there. Not, not a whole but, lot, but every now and then. She she does have a, a striking look, and she does handle, I think, the complexity of the role uh, quite well. Yeah, well, she, it's she not could. just she's for me. She's not just eye candy. She's no. got there's a lot more to her, and she's got real mm-hmm. substance and, and acting chops. To yeah, she looks great, and I think it's a great performance. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, totally. I think you know the I, genre. The genre dictates that they got to be someone you want to keep looking at right but uh it does help that i think she puts in a really good performance in here as this kind of fractured uh character with some issues uh maybe somewhat over the top every now and then but certainly uh very interesting emotionally compared to what we'll talk about in our next film well she doesn't feel out of her depth with what she's asked to do. She turns it up when it feels like it was the director's Mm -hmm. um, directing to turn it up, right? She feels very in tune with what Rush called for from the performance. Right, I agree. Yes, and and again, when we talk about the cast in this film and this ensemble, she matches every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely she does. It would be very easy to to get buried and, and, and just be eye candy in this but she um she brings it you know you bring up a great point to further illustrate how fine she is in the film because henriksen durif blades and willis you know and of course warren but the, the four men i mentioned um really really can grab the screen yes and they're horrific. very commanding really very yeah. very commanding actors yeah very and her as a 21 year old totally runs with them yeah, and something else I like about this is the relationship between her and Leslie Ann Warren's character. There's, yes. there's something there. That's a great little um, side story there and their relationship. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it definitely is. It's. Uh, yeah. No, she she she's uh, she hits the mark. I mean, she is certainly. Um, she does have a, a certain a, a, a sexuality, and you can see the appeal and. She got that tattoo and, um, yeah, no, I she's, it's, yeah. You got that same tattoo in that same spot, don't you, Will? Uh, you know it. <laughs> you know it. Well, we tried well, to recreate the well, pool scene in Cincinnati at Horror Hound. And, yeah, uh, you know I know it. That's right. Yeah. 
That's right, man. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm glad you 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 mentioned. Yeah. Uh, if there's one yeah, area on yeah. Will that is manscaped, it's that rose tattoo area. That, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Absolutely, I got to keep uh, that rose bush. You know, so I, group, but- this is a little uh, behind the scenes information. I actually know a guy whose dad has a tattoo of a rose on the tip of his uh, Willis. Come on, yeah, yeah. Jeez. I actually know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy who whose dad. Yeah, and here's the even worse part. I've seen it. Oh, oh. my god! Yeah, because I didn't believe it. You know, here's so. the worst part. <laughs> I've smelled it. <laughs> that actually would have been the, yeah. I've tasted it. No, it's a, I've yeah. tasted it. <laughs> yeah, that thorny rose. Uh, yeah. Ooh, this really did, went did down. He, a, did, he, did he have to keep it hidden behind a pillar like Bruce Willis uh, does? Yeah. <laughs> the sad part is he's not scared. It's almost like the Oliver Reed thing. The Oliver Reed stories oh, you hear. He's not scared to show it. Like I think. No, Oliver, if you get a tattoo of a rose on the tip of your cock, you are showing people every chance you get. Yeah, because you're insane. You yes. have you have mental health issues. Um, I think Reed did have a tattoo on his as well, didn't he? I think that was the story I heard. Who did Reed? Yeah, I believe he had a tattoo on his. That's I don't know if it was best. on the. I don't know if it was on the head, but I heard it was a. I heard it was tattooed. <laughs> That's the rumor. Yeah. 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 And he would he would show it anytime. Uh, well, anytime he wanted because it didn't matter if people asked or not. <laughs> now in my search, whether he wanted to see it or not, yeah. Well, yeah. And now you're going to see my search history, and for those that can find it, Oliver Reed dick tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, I'd actually read behind the scenes stories that is, you know, Gladiator was his last film, and he was still showing it off on that film. Amazing. So, uh, God bless him. <laughs> yeah, God bless him. He's he was what he was. <laughs> so, uh, so the, the the centerpiece of this movie, talking of swimming pools. Yes. Um, and. Uh, Bruce's Bruce's Willis, yes, which right. sadly has no uh, tattoos on the end of it. No, no. Um, the I think it runs for like five six minutes, and it's it's not just a sex scene. It's almost a kind of a series of sex vignettes, like a montage. Yeah, um, which starts off in the pool, goes to the the dining table, <laughs> the shower, uh, some nice juicy steak. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's uh it is a uh, sex scene. I think uh, I read in the IMDb. I don't know. Remember this, but uh, uh, some magazine, I believe it was Maxim Maxim, Maxim magazine called nineties magazine. If there ever was one, yeah, it's called it one of the <laughs> maybe the greatest sex scene ever filmed in cinema history. I don't know if I agree with that, but it's certainly it's certainly heavy on the sex. I mean, it's it's uh yeah, it's I mean. I'm not gonna lie. It got my blood pumping a little bit. I don't know how you gentlemen felt. Yeah, no, it's a pretty, uh, pretty intense scene. That's for sure. Yeah. I, can I say it as as an aside, not to digress, but uh, some fact checking. So Oliver Reed does, in fact, <laughs> have ink on the head of his cock, and oh. you know what he has? Oh man, I don't even know if I want to know. Double eagle talons. Wow. What? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, the wow. double eagle talons. Wow, amazing! Shit! Oh my god, these guys, <laughs> guys that do that. I mean, you know, as three gentlemen sitting here, we all know that's a incredibly sensitive area. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, I've gotten tattoos, uh, a tattoo on my chest and my forearm, and you know, I felt those. I can't even imagine. Like, do you? Jeez, <laughs> that man is a 
fucking nut job. <laughs> yeah, well, that's he called it his mighty mallet. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's Mjolnir for real. <laughs> Would you guys like to see it? Would you like to see it? <laughs> you don't want to see it? You're going to see it anyway. Here he goes, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess guys, like I said, I guess guys that do that. I mean, like I said, I've seen one. And a gentleman I saw, he kind of looked like a mix of, uh, ooh, I don't know, uh, Slim Pickens and uh, something else. But he had a huge beard. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. I can't believe my buddy's going to ask his dad to do this. And he goes, oh, no, here, I'll show it to you. He just dropped his pants right there in the middle of the driveway. The middle of the driveway. Right, middle of the driveway. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a rural area. It was a neighborhood. I'm like, there it is. Yeah, well, okay. Enough. Uh-huh. You can pull them back up there, brother. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. Sorry, we're getting sidetracked. But let's get back to the sex scene. I think for me, what works about the sex scene is, and I'll be the first to admit this, I have a proclivity for moisture. Uh, I like... uh, Oh, yes. uh, Yes. I I like wet bodies. I like showers. I like things like that. Um, Maybe getting in a little bit too much information there. I don't know about pools. I'm not big on pools. There's a lot of coldness there. It leads to, you know, a little Sammy not looking too impressive. Uh, you know. see what happened to Mr. Willis. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't turn down, you know, at, you know, I would, I would have been 20, I would have been 23 or something around this time this film came out, I guess. Yeah. Uh, 21 actually I would have been, uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I would have turned Jane March away. I would have fallen in that pool with her as well. Oh yeah. 60 degree temperature or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would have, I would have went for it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of moisture. There is a lot of moisture from from pool water to showers and sweat. A lot yeah. of sweat. <laughs> I love the sweat. That's maybe giving up a little too much, but I yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's wet and greasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just the way I like it. Just the way we like it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same way I so, like yeah. same way I like my chicken. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think, I think it delivers on, if you're going to make an erotic thriller, it, it really delivers on, on that, on the erotic element. It, uh, like with the rest of the film and Richard Rush, you know, swinging, swinging for the fences. He, uh, he does not, um, doesn't shy away from it and, and gives it, gives it everything. Yeah. Yes, indeed. He surely does. And I I think it, it, it works for that reason. Um, because it, it does go all out. I think it has to. Otherwise, it just would have been a very standard movie. And I think that they pushed the envelope. Because uh, it's a pretty graphic sex scene. Like It's, it's the kind of sex scene like that I, I pulled the door shut of the viewing area I was in. And, yeah. lo- and locked the door because I didn't want to have to explain myself. Yeah, and I think they, they pushed it as far as you probably could at the time. Yeah. For, oh, yeah. in, a, in a mainstream movie without... It becoming a you know, X NC seventeen porn you know yeah. without it, it. Yeah, yeah. They pushed it as far as they could. Um, no uh, pun intended. To the hill. Not just the tip. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, but t- 
we're talking about. It's there's there's not an ounce of kind of gritty realism in this film. No, no. Everything everything is heightened. No. Yes. Yeah. Um, even in the you know the the Leslie Ann Warren's lesbian scene with mm-hmm. Jane March. I mean, it's interesting. There's 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 a lot going on at, at one time in a very short space of time, and it veers really quickly from fun to erotic to dramatic to comedic, and there's there's sort of major shifts in a short space of time, and it's kind of schizophrenic. Yeah. But then the whole movie is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Suitably it, so. It's heightened. Everything's turned up to eleven. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a Hollywood uh, story. Uh, told by Hollywood people in a very Hollywood way uh, is one of the ways I put it. I think the closest it comes to real grittiness is probably uh, Bruce Willis's uh, elbow injury, <laughs> which, yeah. which is as close as it comes to reality in any way, shape, or form, which also has a great Reuben Blades moment where Bruce Willis is getting ready to wash his elbow off and Reuben Blades turns the uh, <laughs> the sink toward him right before he does it. It's a great little moment. I don't know if they've planned it or not, but it's awesome. You can see yeah. Bruce Willis's face. He's like, you motherfucker. You know? Yeah, it's just, it's fuck, he's constantly fucking with him. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I quite like the, uh, the the car stuff in this. Oh, yeah. There's a car chase, again, with the weird cartoon Fulci-esque voice. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, the, all the car action, I think, is really good. And you've got one of those car transporters with vehicles tumbling off the back and there's a railroad crossing and a train coming and chicken and it's big, <laughs> yeah. big, big action stuff, you know, and I think it's, oh. it's done quite well. Yep. Yeah, no, I would agree. A lot of times flimsy action or car stuff will reveal itself self very quickly. Mm. And yeah, I, it was, it was white knuckles, suitably white knuckled. That's for sure. Mm. And I think that kind of elevates, I mean, again, it's one of those things that I didn't remember about this at all. And I think it elevates it somewhat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. I didn't remember. It's a genre film, right? Yeah. I didn't remember it at all either. As a matter of fact, I was kind of stunned when I saw it. I was like, I do not remember an action sequence in the middle of this movie at all. No, it's like what? What am I watching? All of a sudden, I'm watching a car movie. I mean, it's got a Trans Am in it and everything. I mean, I'm just like, what, oh, yeah. what is going on? You know, <laughs> but it, it works. It's well done. It's well done. I mean, it's it's not the, you know, it's not the French Connection car scene or it's not Bullet or no. anything like that. But it it totally works and within the the weird framework uh, that Rush has set up for this film, it works. Rock solid. Certainly is something that is not rock solid for me that does not work in this movie is the music oh my yeah. god the music um yeah it, it goes from kind of trashy soap opera to, <laughs> to, to 70s 80s like italo synth concerto <laughs> brian to like, may scored it yeah to, to pure hammer horror kind of like yeah. really gothic hammer horror music um, and yeah. it's it's um to like weird pop funk <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I was I was oh, I was waiting for some heavy metal to start playing, yeah. you know, because it's so argent. So I was Saxon. waiting, for, waiting for some Saxon or Motorhead yeah. to come in. There is a little bit. I mean, when they go to the whiskey, there is a little bit of metal playing there. But uh, some band called Spoon. I don't know what's going on there, but <laughs> it's the, all over the place. It and really there's is. There's even some some harmonica. There's, and then you've got harmonica. <laughs> All we, the, the need music is, all we need is a all we need is a juice yeah. harp, a juice harp, and we'd be we'd have it all covered. Yeah. 
it's 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 uh, it's insane. The the score for this film is insane. Or maybe a maybe a didgeridoo. Is that what they call them? Those things. Those Australian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 It, it feels the 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 scored parts feel very Pino Dinaggio esque. Uh, yeah, yes. overblown Pino. Yeah, over. <laughs> well, yeah, speak for yourself. But uh, yeah, it does feel that way a little bit. I, I had moments where I went back and looked, and I said, "Did Pino do this movie?" Because <laughs> I had to check because it looked like it's right up Pino's alley, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, it was. Who was it? Uh, Dominic Frontier. Yeah, he's a. I remember reading. He's a, a friend. He was a friend of Richard Rush's, I believe. Yeah, he he scored uh, Freebie and the Bean and Stuntman. Yeah, yeah. so kept him with it. Is, I like yeah. I like the saxy stuff. Uh, oh, I, there's some sexy sax. Yeah, yeah, it works. Not, it works not as much good. As the next film, but uh, hey, yeah, yeah, not as much as the next one. You're right, but it it it, uh, <laughs> it is it works in the movie because the movie's kind of a neo noir type thing anyway, right? So it's it, it works mm-hmm. in those aspects, but. You're right. It jumps all over the place. Like it's like, uh, well, we got an action scene. We're going to need something for this genre. Oh, we got uh, this part. We're going to need something for that genre. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's all over the map musically. So it's kind of a mess. And then it has what we jokingly talked about as you know, almost a Bond esque theme song. Yeah, yeah. Which is just a bizarre. Not not to knock the the song at all. It's perfectly fine for what it is. But it does feel like something you'd see in a Bond film. Especially a Bond film of the '80s or '90s, it does, but it, it it doesn't feel like 1994. Like a lot of this music and the theme song, as 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 uh, acceptable as it is, it's it's so out of context. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so old fashioned. Yeah, like sure. even in '94, it's like really. <laughs> well, but I love it for that. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, anyway, so I'm not sure about the music, but it fascinates me. Um, but, uh, what, what do you guys think of the twist when, when we finally get to the, the central conceit of this film is okay. So there's a killer. It's probably one of this therapy group. Who is it? And the, the story behind that. Yeah. Once we get to that, what, what do you think of that? Uh, Sammy, do you want to go first? You want me uh, to? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I can. I, I mean, I I like it. It's it's it kind of goes along with the kind of psycho babble of the thing, uh, but it works for me. Uh, it's it's a little ridiculous, but a lot of these things usually are. Uh, it's another thing we should mention that erotic thrillers share with a lot of the genres we love. Uh, one of the things it shares with Gialli and with uh, slasher films is usually when you find out who the killer or person is, it's usually some kind of crazy origin story. And you're like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. How, did, how did we get here? You know, and it's usually some type of sexual abuse in these cases or some type of identity crisis of some sort. So uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, I think it works for the most part. I was kind of actually, I thought I knew exactly what happened, what I remembered happening. And I know we can't really talk about it without giving away the twist, but uh, I will say that I, I watching this second time, I was a bit surprised uh, and really kind of turned on by the Italianness of uh, a nail gun showing up. 
Oh my oh. god! And that that now so, is brutal. We, we we get to the face-off at the end, and then we've got a warehouse. Uh, mm-hmm. which inside is a weird gothic torture dungeon. Like the the production design, like the music, like many elements in it is turned up to eleven. Yeah. It's 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 so Italian gothic and yeah, nail gun massacre. It's, yes. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It, it is it is bonkers. Um and we end up on a tower where they, they climb oh my God. a tower and there's lightning and it's like Hitchcock, uh, you know, it hanging up. It's mm-hmm. you've got thunder and lightning and yeah, it's crazy. It's, what, what did you, it's crazy, crazy. What, what did you think of the uh, the twist? Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it because yeah. I think, listen, this film is not going for neorealism. No, <laughs> it's a genre that is total fantasy, and yeah. you're going to turn things up to eleven. Listen, put your foot to the pedal. Yeah. Mean, put like put the, you know put your foot on the gas and just go. Otherwise, as we've often said. The biggest crime a genre film can have is being boring. Yeah. And this is never, never boring. And I'm perfectly, perfectly okay with the twist. It works well. It it works well within the logic that the film is willing to um, allow. Yeah. Totally good with it. Totally. I mean, come on. You're, if you're watching an erotic thriller, you're not going for authenticity and realism. Yeah, I agree. I you agree. want just to be fucking bonkers, and boy, is this one bonkers! Yeah, yeah. And, that, and again, that's another thing that this genre kind of—I remember recalled. You know, the—I don't know—it feels like hundreds of erotic thrillers I've watched over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that really stick out are the bonkers ones. They absolutely are, and the big crime that a lot of erotic thrillers have is they're neither thrilling nor erotic. (laughs) They have very robotic sex scenes. There's nothing thrilling about them, and they just treat it as a softcore porn with very little eroticism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas this is pretty steamy sex scenes, and it's quite thrilling in terms of action set pieces, cars, stunt work, brutal violence. I mean, it has it all. I, I totally agree, and uh, it's it's not filtered. There's 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 no, no. filter. It, it's pure id. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a it's a wild film. Yeah, yeah. It feels like the film. It feels like a film made by somebody who you know. It feels very personal. It feels almost like a, some fantasy uh, of Richard Rush's himself. Like you know, it's this movie, this Hollywood erotic thriller. Like maybe his idea of what his Hollywood life was like, or maybe his Hollywood life like this was like this at some point. I don't know, but it, yeah. it feels like that. And you know, it, it's, it, this is a forty million dollar movie. Uh, it was a box office dud. I think it only made half of that. That's but to uh, be expected, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I could see forty million dollars on the screen because I mean, it looks really nice. I mean, it's a beautiful looking movie. It looks good. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's some good photography. We got some split diopters and um yeah which, some really interesting camera work and lighting some really again operatic and uh stylized but very effective yeah yeah never never more does the brian de palma stuff shine through than when those split diopters show up <laughs> yeah man it's like the first as soon as i see those that's the first person i think of i think of him and then i think of carpenter those are always the two guys i think of although oh, carpenter never I'd used love, i i've I've got a thing for a split diopter. Oh, I love it too. Yeah, I love it too. I mean, it's it's got a it it, it brings a certain nostalgia to any movie I watch uh, to see the split diopter. 
I love it. I've always loved so, it. So, yeah, for, for, for me, Richard Rush, he, he kind of he pushed every single element as far as he possibly could within the restraints of a mainstream studio movie. And I love that. Yep. Good stuff. Oh, I agree. I mean, yeah, the split diopter stuff. I mean, it's so De Palma. It, it yeah, it works so well. It, yeah. It's good, man. All right. Uh, Sam, do you want to go? Do you want me to go? What do you want to? Uh, you can go if you want to go. Uh, I'm I'm totally fine, man. All right. So I'll try to run through a few things quick here. Nice and nostalgic from the '90s to see the Hollywood Pictures logo at the beginning with the Sphinx with the sunglasses on. Yeah, this is yeah. a this uh, is a Disney movie. Yeah, a Disney movie. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Oh, so it is. Yeah, Fuck. that's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. They didn't want to. They didn't want their uh, Hollywood pictures uh, insignia on there, or, or whatever it was. But yeah, they didn't. There was <laughs> a bunch of heat about uh, you know. Obviously, they you know they were trying to get into some other stuff, and you know you got you got to make money where you can make money, man. You got to get some of that erotic um, thriller so, coin. Yeah, you do. You totally do. Um, it's funny, very brief moment. We get Eric Avari, character actor, doing, as Sammy would say, some subtle Indian cab acting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, Jeez. Not going to offend anybody with that acting, no, let me tell you. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, good old Scott uh, Bakula, Bakula, however you want to say. I always like to say Bakula because it rhymes with Dracula. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Bakula. Lewis. I'm pretty sure it's Bakula, though. Bacula. I've never really, I've heard people say the Bakula thing, but. I'm pretty sure everybody I've ever heard says Bacula, so I think that's the way it goes. Yeah, but him and Willis, like I said, they're good broskies in this. There's a good, easy camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, quite like it. You know, one person who was just so gross in this film, and his character was gross, but man, he bothered me, was Kevin J. O'Connor. Yeah. <laughs> he is so gross in this. Yeah. Um, He's made a career of playing these kind of characters, too. He has. He totally has. I love when... Um, Bacula says to Willis, why don't we drop our pants and see who's got the bigger dick and then go get breakfast? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, we talked about a lot of stuff with the glove and, and some murders and the voyeurism and all that stuff. Um, a lot of great lines, like we said. Uh, the the dick in the barrel of Barracuda's line is good. Yeah. <laughs> um, that scene, that scene at the whiskey with blades and willis oh yeah is some of my favorite stuff i like that willis brings up why are we sitting here screaming at each other and that uh they come out and that one guy bumps into blades and he just automatically while still hold maintaining the narrative he pushes the guy up against the car throws a badge in his face and frisks him and (laughs) just keeps going (laughs) it's it's almost like it's it's at that point it's like physical comedy it's like what what are we what is going on here you know yeah without missing a beat yeah yeah and he's got you know he's just got so many moments like that like I, I loved him so much in the movie uh, Blades he's just he's great he is and again he has an energy you don't want him to be flat and he has a, he's a nice um, contrast to he he is proactive when most of the characters in the film are reactive yes right? yeah. yeah yeah so uh, yeah no he's good uh, he's the perfect foil for Bruce Willis as well because yes I mean and and. I think, I mean, this is on the back of the success of Die Hard. I think Willis has still got some of that. There's a, a little bit of laid back kind mm-hmm. of laconic charm to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah. Ruben Blades is the perfect foil for that. Oh, yeah. 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 No, he definitely is. Um, 
Uh, we talked about the pool stuff, the rose tattoo. Um, Looking at yeah, the car chase was good. We got more. We got two films, two erotic thrillers, and two more chopper porn this week too. <laughs> so that was good. Um, Isn't he get mooned by someone? Yeah, I've never seen someone get mooned from a chopper before, oh, but we get I mean, that. You've really made it then when you get mooned from a chopper. Yeah. yeah. You sure have. You sure have. Uh, how about the tank scene? The toy tank scene? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's does pretty amazing. Talk about crossing the Alps or something? Or? Yeah, he does. And it's funny. That reminds me of the scene. Um, I think it's in Time... Is it Time Me Up, Time Me Down? Or with uh, the Almodovar one with the scuba, the toy scuba diver in the bathtub. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Reminds <laughs> me of that. Um, it was cool to see some of the L.A. stuff in this. I've seen a lot of L.A. films. Both films this week coincidentally shot in L.A. Mm-hmm. But just to see Grand Central Market and see some of the spots we were at this year is always kind of neat. Um, to the point where I rewound at Grand Central Market and showed the kids that's the only scene they saw in this film. Yeah. I uh, said, so, hey, do you know where this is? And they go, oh, it's Grand Central Market. So that was cool. Um I don't have a lot more to say other than Bruce Willis has the most incredible grip in the history of cinema at the back end of this film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Herculean. Yeah. But man. I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm not going to start nitpicking about that at this point. I'm all in. White knuckle, right? White knuckle, man. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, he, he's, uh, he's very Bruce Willis in this movie. I mean, he had a very interesting 94. I believe that was the same year Hudson Hawk came out. And... Uh, you know that that tanked. Uh, Pulp Fiction came out that year. Well, actually, Hudson Hawk came out right before this, I think, in '91. Yeah. But he had that kind of run there. But Pulp Fiction was the same year as this, so that's that's pretty crazy. When you look at these two films, you look at those two films. Talk about two films that couldn't be more different in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's All just time. it's amazing to me the same year because uh, I think people see you know Pulp Fiction obviously is a kind of a pivotal kind of game changer type movie. And, you know, that same year he did North and Color of Night and uh, Nobody's Fool with uh, Paul Newman. So, uh, yeah, it's quite a run, quite an interesting uh, time. But I'm, I'm looking through his filmography, man. I, I just can't believe how much stuff Bruce, Bruce Willis has done. Jesus He's Christ. made a lot of money. I do want to say, and I mentioned this to the beginning. Sorry, Sammy. I do quite like Willis in this film. Yeah. No, he, he is. He's re- he's kind of perfect for this kind of stuff. He is. Yeah. It works. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's got an amazing collection of sweater vests and dad running shoes. The yeah. Asics are such dad running shoes. Yeah. yeah like he's just sexy enough mm-hmm. uh, to be appealing to the women and yes. and just realistically sexy enough to be appealing to the men. That, Does that, that make the sense? The guys aren't tuned out at a, a pretty boy, quote unquote, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we'll, just we'll, we'll talk about Yeah. We'll talk about different type of, but we'll talk about more of a stereotypical body type in the next film, really. Yeah, uh, uh, which is kind of what you usually see, which is these guys that you know. Of course, you know. Well, I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But either way, I think that he's got kind of this. You know, he doesn't have a six pack, but he's he's fit. Yeah, uh, he's, he's he runs. Looks, yeah, he looks good, and looks you know, he's still got most of his hair here um, and everything. And, and him and Bacula just they look like real guys. They look like real guys and that are hanging on to their they're youth. around our age, right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, forty yeah. somethings. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're hanging on to their youth, uh, you know, trying to hang on yeah. to it anyway. All that kind of good stuff, and obviously, young lovers kind of can rejuvenate uh, men sometimes, uh, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Is that, is that all you got, Will? 
Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to add. I'll say that, you know, like I said, I was I was kind of hoping Davey would pick this one because I thought this one would give us a lot of meat on the bone to talk about, and <laughs> it does obviously. But it it's kind of it's kind of the erotic thriller in some ways, kind of on steroids. It's kind of like it takes everything that all those kind of movies kind of take and kind of amps it all up and throws everything into like this big pot. And uh, you either come out of it thinking, man, that was kind of delicious, but I know I feel bloated now. <laughs> or, you know, you come out of it thinking that was one of the worst things I've ever seen. But I've always maintained that this movie's not nearly as bad as, uh, as its reputation. As its reputation. I mean, yeah. I yeah, mean, I agree. It's it's not nearly that bad. Um, <clears throat> Willis has got a few films like that for me. Uh, Hudson Hawk is one, with that, which I think is not nearly as bad as people think it is. Yeah. Um, and a I've few never others. Seen Hawk. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's Bruce Willis being very Bruce Willis, yeah. but it, but it's like it's it's quite ridiculous too. Um, and you know, I think this film is the same thing. I think this film is quite ridiculous, but I think because Rush establishes establishes that tone, uh, I think the story works uh, completely, and you're willing to buy in to how ridiculous this whole thing is. Um, yes, it's 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 playing with a lot of psycho babble and a lot of silliness, but. It all works, and 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 I love the way it's shot. Yeah, I mean, it just it it looks great. Uh, the split diopters are awesome. The house is ridiculous. Uh, Ruben Blades is is comedic in that way because you know he he not only is funny just because of some of the lines of dialogue he has. He's also funny because he's totally a man out of his element. Like he, he even he's kind of commenting on the ridiculousness of the house and the bed and and all this stuff. He's he's basically us. In a lot of ways, in the movie, yeah. and uh, so you, you're easy. It's easy to identify with him because he's kind of a blue collar guy who's, you know, working, trying to get, you know, trying to get his job done, and he sees all this kind of ridiculousness, and he's kind of, as as Davy says, he's kind of always giving Willis's character a hard time because he's like he he lives in a whole other world that he doesn't understand. So yeah. it works for that reason. And Jane March, yeah, man, she's. Not, I mean, obviously, she's not my type. Uh, she's not the kind of person or the kind of actress, 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 actress that I'm attracted to, uh, typically, but in saying that it's one of those things we kind of talk about on the show where she kind of exudes some type of sexuality and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the French maid or the French apron or, or if it's the, uh, the rose tattoo or the kind of sultriness, or maybe it's the youth. I don't know, but whatever it is. It kind of works. Uh, she's not a traditional beauty, I would say. She actually seems kind of flawed in some ways. Like there's something a little off about her teeth. Uh, not nearly as much as some other moments, but I mean, there's something a little off there and everything. And I think that kind of makes her more appealing somewhat. Like she she seems very real. Like there's not, you know, there's no fake breast here. There's no, it doesn't feel like, you know, she's fake at all. She just feels like a genuine, uh, good looking girl. And uh, that, to me, that adds a strong element to this movie because this genre is also known as a very heavy plastic surgery genre for both men and women. <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, we here we kind of get uh, what I feel is very real-looking folks um, kind of, you know, showing up. And I think everybody in the film, nobody really feels uh, overly erotic thriller-looking, if that makes sense. No. You know, everybody feels no, kind of normal, right? Like... The Buck character, the Lance Henderson, he feels like a real blue collar guy who has problems. The the Kevin O'Connor character feels like a 
like the child he is in a lot of ways. He's gross and and very <laughs> stupid and all that kind of stuff. Brad Dorf's character feels like somebody with OCD. And he does a really good he does that character actor stuff that Brad Dorf does, which is is really spot on and very well done. And you know, pound for pound I'll say the Brad Dorf, you know, he, he could turn it on and turn it off. But man, that guy well, he he has a moment where <laughs> he turns it up. He goes <laughs> Full Brad Dourif, I yeah, think, he and he's talking to Leslie Ann Warren. Yeah. You promiscuous cunt! Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> the, the full rage. Yeah, yeah. He is, man. I tell you, a lot of I have a lot of favorite character actors, but as the history of doing this show has come across, well, what I've come across with Brad Dourif is I've always respected him, but I've gained more and more respect for him. It's like every time I see him, because I forget just how good he was at doing this kind of stuff. I mean, he, he's, he's just like, he's like one of the most talented character actors, I think of all time. Yeah, he's great. He's and he, great. Can, he could do anything. He could do any genre, anything. And, uh, and he always brought some type of levity to whatever he did. Uh, he just really, he always did. So, uh, or does, is he, is he still around or did he pass away? I can't remember anymore. He's around. I yeah. Oh, he's around. Yeah, yeah. He's still, he's still voicing. Oh no, hang on. Did he voice Chucky in the last? No, uh, that was Mark Hamill. That was Mark Hamill, believe it or not. Yeah, that was uh, Luke Skywalker. But I think before that, he he's he's still voicing Chucky. Yeah, yeah. So he, uh, I thought I thought he was still around. I, I didn't think he passed away, but I didn't know for sure because, you know, every as we get older, you know, everybody kind of comes and goes. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, he's still around. Yeah, nineteen fifty. Uh, he's yes, he's he's seventy. Yeah, yeah. he's still around. Yeah, seventy, eh? Yeah. That makes sense, but it seems so surreal there yeah. to, to imagine. Looks like there's going to be a Chucky TV series, I guess, and he's going to do Chucky in that. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, that's right. He was in the. I just watched him in the Deadwood movie. I just saw him recently, and he's really good in that right. movie. Cool. Yeah, and the, the movie's not great, but he's really, really good in it because he was great on the show. But yeah, man, that guy's. You know what a career. You know, almost 200 credits and rolling strong. Man, Lance Hendrickson, we should say, almost 300 credits at this point. Talk about a guy that wow. just doesn't turn anything down. <laughs> and God bless him for it, right? I mean, you know, he's a working guy. 80 years totally old. Is. 80 years old. Insane to me. I just, <laughs> hard to believe. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm just glad Davey picked this one because I think this one is kind of overlooked. I think it's overlooked for a couple reasons. One, Bruce Willis has got a bit of a reputation uh, so a lot of people don't have time for him anymore. But at one point, he was red hot, and people don't get red hot for no reason. It is what it is. Um, and also, you know, we, this is a, a true filmmaker here, uh, Richard Rush, who hasn't done a whole lot. But, I mean, this is a guy, this is a real talented filmmaker uh, yeah. getting into this genre, and I think it shows because of that. And uh, I think it works. So I'll kick it over to Davey, and we'll get some Make or Breaks MVTs. Okay, Make or break. For me, uh, the 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 centerpiece sex scene sequence is, I think, makes it for me. It 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 delivers. It really delivers yeah. what it sets out to do. Um, the MVP for me is Jane March. I think she. It's quite a performance by her, and uh, I mean, I'm torn between her and Ruben Blades gives it the the levity, but. Jane March as the the femme fatale and your central female lead. She looks she looks amazing. She's captivating, and it's a very layered, multifaceted performance. Uh, and I think everything hinges on her, and and she brings it. 
Yeah, she really does. Good call. And my score, I know this is an outrageous, ridiculous film. I know that. <laughs> it's too long. It's too long. It's ambitious and it's bloated. But I think it's highly underrated and um, it should not be dismissed. I really enjoy it. I give it an eight. Nice. Very nice. Nice. Yeah, man. All right. Will. All right. So my make your break, I'm going to go with the finale. I could go with a number of scenes. This has a number of set pieces and scenes and moments that are just really well done uh, within the genre. But to me, the finale just turns it up even more. Because like uh, Davey said, we get the, the, the warehouse, the GGTMC favorite finale <laughs> set piece. We get a really brutal nail gun. We get a bonkers reveal that, you know, most certainly, certainly saw coming. But it's just it's just bonkers to see it unfold. Um, we get that finale on top in the rain. Uh, yeah, it's just it's nuts. Uh, my MVT for the film is just how go for the gusto it is. It just if you half ass something like this, the film fails. It's a it's dull. And let's face it, it should be like Dave said, probably half an hour shorter but mm-hmm. it's energy and it's willingness to push things as far as it can keeps it afloat for that really long runtime. So that's my yeah. MVT. My score is very, very close to Dave's. It's a 7.75 out of 10. This one's a lot of fun, man. I'm yep. really glad uh, we covered it. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I My make or break scene, I got to go with the scene at the whiskey. I, that, that to me is is a great scene just the camaraderie the kind of back and forth between blades and willis there there's a lot of great moments in this movie because you know i maybe i forgot to mention this but you know we talked about the cast but uh the acting in this film is top notch across the board i know we kind of said that in ways but i just want to make sure i get that out there again uh as ludicrous as some of the stuff they have to do in this film is everybody in this movie brought their a game i mean everybody is on point in this movie nobody's Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. nobody's an off kilter, And, you know, I think that's a credit to Rush because uh, he brings out these performances. And was saying that, it, my heart wants to go with Blades uh, <laughs> because he's so yeah. much fun in the movie. It really yeah. does. Like, he, he just brings me, he brings a smile to my face every time he shows back up on screen in this movie. But I have to, I have to be with Davey on this. I have to give it to Jane March because it's a brave performance. Yeah, she's, very brave. She's so young. Mm-hmm. And... She somehow manages to pull this off, and I mean, it, it could be it could have been one of them, uh, you know, Razzie type performances for her. It could have been, and maybe it was. I, somebody won a Razzie for this. I can't remember what it was, but it, but it could have been one of those type of things where it destroyed a career. Uh, now I don't know what it did to her career. I don't know if she decided to kind of back off and do other things and get married and whatnot i think she ended up marrying uh, bruce willis is one of bruce willis's producing partners or something i think it's how she ended up in this movie as a matter of fact but uh you know i think it's it's the it's the performance that she'll be remembered for uh you know what little that she she hasn't really had anything huge so i don't think she'll be remembered for anything else It'll either be this one or maybe maybe the lover. The lover's pretty good. Uh, it should be said. I mean, I, I'm big Tony in it. Tony Lung Kai Fi. Yeah, yeah, he's in there, and uh, it's 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 very much it's heavy on the sex. So both of these films are pretty much that, and uh, that's what she became known for. And but she's really good in this uh, with psychological elements and some emotion and uh, some really good 
uh, really good acting moments. Uh, that scene in the kitchen with her and the French maid thing, not only is it, or the French apron or whatever, not only is it sexy in a way, but she really, she's given the thankless task of being a sex object there and also do, uh, portraying some emotion, and she does a really, really good job there, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, my score is right around the same ballpark as you guys. Uh, I went 7.5. I mean, it's, I, I think I might like it more than that, but, uh, that's where I'm at. I mean, it's probably right in between 7.5 and eight. I mean, it's, it's a hell of a lot better. If you guys have never seen it, the guys, people that listen to the show, the guys and the gals will listen and you've never seen it because of all the reputation it has and everything. Trust me, it's better than you think it is. And, yeah. And uh, I think you would enjoy uh, watching it, certainly. And it, it is. I agree with you guys. It is a. It's a bit fat. It's a bit bloated. There's no doubt about it. It's. It's definitely me watching Japanese pastries being made bloated in a lot of ways. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And that rain sequence too with uh, Lance Henriksen. He's really good in that moment, man. He's. Uh, that's, that's, yeah, I, I, it is I, a good moment. I come away from this movie with all these kind of really good moments, and uh, that's the sign of a quality film. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that's our thoughts on Color of Night. We're going to take a short break and come back and talk about In the Cold of the Night. Something slightly different. We'll be back right after this. Never know how much I love you Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get a fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever When you kiss me, fever When you hold me tight Fever In the morning a Fever all through the night Sun lights up the daytime Moon lights up the night I light up when you call my name And you know I'm gonna treat you right You give me fever When you kiss me fever All right Fever All right <laughs> I always think of uh, I was I played that version but I always think of uh Elvis Presley which I oh, yeah. I got close to thinking about playing that version cuz what I enjoy about that version is uh what I just did there so I can go that fever <laughs> real quick uh little uh, jabs of fever there but it's a really good version if you haven't heard it. Um okay, so our next film is In the Cold of the Night, which is something I had never seen. So that's fun. Nope. Uh right off the bat. Uh, uh this is directed by Nico Masterakis, who uh we've talked about before on the show. Um, Scott is a fashion photographer concerned about the sudden appearance of nightmares in his nightly dreams. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes when I read these out loud, they seem so preposterous. <laughs> yeah. What are you worried about, Scott? I'm worried about my nightmares. Uh, <laughs> Nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> it's like, you know, you have a couple bad dreams, Scott, you know, and it's like, you know, Jesus, what's going on? Grip, man. He did. He did. He had a. He he was uh, white knuckling it while he was watching that action sequence from Cold of Night. Maybe it hadn't even been made yeah. yet. Uh, Jeff Lester stars in this one. Uh, he hadn't done a whole lot. I I remember him from a few TV shows in my youth. Uh, he had a bit of a look, almost Randy West esque in some ways. 
<laughs> I just want to throw that out there. I don't know if Will, if you got that vibe or not, but uh, oh, I didn't until you said it, but I certainly did. Uh, Adrian Sachs, yeah, Adrian Sachs is in this. She's been on the show before. Mark Singer, uh, uh, <laughs> Return of the Mac, yeah, of uh, GGTMC favorite. To what are you? What are you doing there, Scott? Uh, with, with the worst fucking hair in his, arguably <laughs> yeah. the worst hair in cinema history. It's amazing. It's the worst, oh and yet God. somehow the best. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. Not one strand of it not sticking up. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> And then Brian Thompson is in this as well. Uh, also another GGTMC favorite. Uh, uh, yeah. You can never go wrong with Brian Thompson. Again, this is another movie with a, a not not obviously the grade of cast we got in the previous film, but still very cool. We in get John right. Yeah, we get John Beck in here, who's uh, been in some GGTMC esque films. Tippy Hedren shows up for a little now, bit of money. Tippy, yeah. Shannon Tweed, yeah. Yeah, Shannon Tweed, the and Queen. even. And even David Soul to get our psycho babble angle yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the the worst therapist ever. Yeah. <laughs> he really imagine he was in that group yeah. in the last film. Yeah. yeah. He really couldn't yeah. give less of a shit about uh, no. <laughs> what Jeff Lester's going through in this film. <laughs> no, he's he's and he's just winging it. He yeah. couldn't give a fuck, and he's winging it. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to figure out how to get to Tahoe to get his boat out. He he doesn't care about anything. That Lester's going through, Scott Bruin is going through. He doesn't just not give a shit. He of is course. just so, and, and maybe, of course, Scott. <laughs> yeah. of course, Scott. I mean, get, he's spilling, he's spilling my guts here. <laughs> get off your princess cloud. I'm spilling my guts here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I got to give it to uh, Jeff Lester. I mean, he 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 goes as all out as he can go in this. So we'll kind of mm-hmm. talk about that. Uh, I don't know who wants to lead on it. I don't know if uh, Will, if you're interested in leading on this yeah. one. Or, yeah, I will unless you want to. No, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Can, can I just start with one thing? Because it's something you said earlier. If Color of Night was the erotic thriller on steroids, this is the erotic thriller on shrooms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. With a yeah. with a bad batch at the back end for it. So like, not in terms of quality of film, but in terms of how bizarre and like weird it gets. Just yeah. Well, I mean, I think none of us, any of us have seen any of Nico Mastarakis's films will will fully admit that he will try anything mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, go for anything that he can go for. Mm-hmm. And uh, this certainly feels, even though it's very tame by his standards, uh, it certainly feels like a Mastarakis joint. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it definitely does. All right. Well, it's uh, yeah. No, you're right. It does, man. Um, this one's got a. We should say it. It has a, a vinegar syndrome release, right? Yep. Um, 1990. So, as you had referenced, uh, Simi, in its own right, we got a pretty good cast. We've mentioned uh, most of the people already, uh, so that's good. Um, and I, one of my notes was something we kind of talked about in the last one. And aren't erotic thrillers just contemporary domestic jolly? Which we answered, yes, they certainly are. Um, this, I'll tell you, this has some great artifacts in it, though. It's got the multi-disc player, along yep. with the light-up waterbed. Oh man, that uh, that's a killer combination. That five-disc uh, CD changer, man, I had one of those. That's yeah. that was uh, next level. Yeah, I had also, one of those. A laser disc is a is a central uh, plot device. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, it certainly is. It's it's almost there's a lot of tech porn 
uh, in mm-hmm. this in this genre sometimes, but this one's uh, this one's up there quite a bit. <laughs> oh, big time! Because we didn't really talk about that. There's a lot of high tech porn and uh, not high tech porn, but tech porn <laughs> and in uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Color of Night as well. With the Whoops. yeah, there we go. Yeah, all right. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, there is a lot of high tech porn and uh, uh, well, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So no, there definitely is a sexy sax, of course, staple. Uh, I'll tell you, '90s films, '90s genre films—not even just genre, but '90s films—loved the POV dream sequence. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that one with uh, what was it called? Brain Scan, the one with Edward Furlong. Oh yeah. Yes. That had a heavy uh, like POV. Kind of dream. Thing. I, I want to revisit that film. It's been a while, man. That one has a. Does it have a virtual reality slant to it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does have a. VR yeah, which is which it. is a big thing at this time. Like with that and Strange Days. Yeah, yeah. I love Strange Days. Yeah, love it's, it. It's a big thing. This. Mm-hmm. Um. How, here's the pro tip, man. You do not wear a mock turtleneck at Venice Beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad move. <laughs> bad move, man. Yeah. Like, so this is this one's kind of fun in the way that it has that Venice Beach sequence. Um, it does. It's great, man. Where he sees uh, Brian, where he meets his friend Brian Thompson, and what I love about the Jeff Lester character is he's so unrealistic. I mean, this is a guy that lives on pizza, and he looks like he, uh, you know, lives at Venice Beach. Like he's got the body. Yeah, apparently, he only eats pizza. There's a weird. <laughs> fascination with pizza in this yeah, film yeah. there is there is he's plying uh, information by way of pizza there's some shenanigans some hijinks with his best friend at muscle beach with pizza yeah um and brian thompson and we should say both films this week have really great friendly likable sidekicks in bacula and uh, thompson yeah thompson yep I agree. Yeah, really Tom, Thompson, who is, every, I mean, he's not in it enough. He needs to be in it more. But he every time I see him, he's either working out or eating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That sandwich yeah. he makes at uh, Scott Bruin's place, that sandwich he makes is epic. Yeah. It's yeah. an epic sandwich, he's, man. Uh, he's all about them gains, bruh. Yeah. I, tell, I got to tell you, though, him eating that sandwich, I mean, both sexy and gross. <laughs> in the same he has a big mouth yeah 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 it's just uh well i've often yeah. said you know with his face and stuff you know he looks like the kind of guy you know that you see these actors every now and then, but he looks like the kind of guy that could eat boulders or something you know like <laughs> oh, yeah. he looks like the kind of guy that could chew rocks and it wouldn't be a problem yeah. for him you know he kind he kind of looks like that character from neverending story yeah like oh, the, the rock biter was it the yeah rock he, he, he is the, the uh real real world uh depiction of that character oh yeah oh man he's, uh, he's i'll tell you speaking of, he's hard as a rock and i don't mean in the Willis oh, yeah. way, he's got a pair of tough tits, man. He's in oh, good yeah. shape. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he rocks the uh, '90s uh, workout look too, right? The the skimpy tank top and the spandex pants, which is a look that mm-hmm. I'm very thankful has went away on men in particular. Yes, yeah, uh, he's I'm, got the bicycle shorts going on. He's yeah, he's all about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. But he's he's also he's also uh, he's in on this. He knows what's going on because he references Friday the Thirteenth. Jagged Edge and Brian yes. DePont. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does, which is amazing. And there's a lot of kind of voyeurism and cameras and stuff in this one too. Indeed, right. So both films are indebted to and openly reference Mr. De Palma. Um, 
And yeah, my next note was just the world needs more Brian Thompson oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> and more Brian Thompson in bicycle shorts. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I, uh, I would I, not I be bicycle shorts. As yeah. A kid. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 I went through that phase, too. Yeah. I would not wear them now, full disclosure. No, no, no. no. I went through that phase. Uh, I, a matter of fact, I, I probably was completely tasteless back then. I'd imagine I probably tucked my shirt in, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, so yeah. I could, you know, show off uh, what little equipment I'm gifted with, you know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, you, you do what you got to do, you know. You got to get the got to get attention to the lady somewhere. You sure do. It wasn't always about my devastating smile and uh, charming personality, I guess. Well, yeah, you got to, uh, the roll of quarters has to be on display, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, I got to ask you guys, because I know where my father-in-law, who's, who's uh, Italian-born, he's very, has a very hard-line stance on this, but let me ask you guys, is pineapple acceptable on pizza? No, never. Okay. I'm, not a, I'm not a fan. Okay. I'm not okay. saying I'm not I'm not saying it's unacceptable because I understand why people like it, but I'm not a fan. Strokes, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan, but I'm not the world's biggest pineapple guy anyway. No. Okay. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, it's not my go-to, but yeah, uh, I'm okay with it. When you start getting into, you know, barbecue sauce as tomato sauce and stuff, that's when I draw the line. Oh yeah, no, they, they, the yeah. ranch dressing is a big one here in the south. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chicken, uh, chicken ranch Jeez. pizzas, yeah, with uh, ranch sauce as the uh, as the tomato sauce, and then chicken and cheese. Yep. Okay. Is it any good? Uh, well, I mean, if you like ranch dressing, it's great. Yeah. Because that's yeah, what it tastes like. Uh, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not a big ranch dressing guy either. So, oh, I, I mean, yeah. will I eat it? Well, tch, there's hardly anything I won't eat. <laughs> <laughs> that's my problem. My problem isn't that I think things are gross. My problem is I don't think enough is gross. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, no, it's not a go-to, and I think it's you know, I, I, ugh. yeah, and the barbecue sauce one too. I agree with you. That's it's just there's something too sweet about that. It's too yeah, it's too it's strong. Don't work. Yep, you know, it's just too much. It's too much. Um, but yeah, pizza. Um, why do I have something? I know that says that airbrushed shirt. Oh, the shirt. Oh yeah, that, that amazing like. Um, yeah, it's a plot point. It is. So we, so we get Venice Beach, and it's uh, up and down Venice Beach. And one of those like, airbrushed T-shirts, and it's got this face on it. And again, <laughs> you have to be willing to suspend disbelief and just go with it. But it's a pretty amazing plot point that this airbrushed model T-shirt, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it becomes a point here of interest. For, well, uh, the thing that was confusing uh, to me about the shirt wasn't her being on the shirt as much as it was Jeff Lester being on the shirt. As he's walking yeah. out, I, I still don't under I still can't process what happened there. <laughs> no, uh, you know yeah. I I don't know if our John Beck, the uh, local airbrush artist, has uh, got a sixth sense or something, or what is going on. But I've never seen premonition of trouble by airbrush shirt before. Never <laughs> airbrush t shirt. No, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean we saw with Neon Maniacs, we saw a premonition of death by trading card, which was awesome. But this which one was, yes. This is premonition of death via airbrush uh artistry, which is not something I expected at all. I gotta say. No, no, you're right. I speaking of John Beck, I gotta say, I liked him in that small turn. I wish we had more John Beck and more Brian Thompson in this one. Yeah. Yeah. No, John, John Beck's good. He's a he's a good character actor, man. He did yeah. a he did a lot of stuff. A lot of people uh, forget about him, but uh, he's he 
I, th- I think he's still around. Yeah, he's still around. But he's good. He's good in a small role. I wish we had had more for sure. Yeah, he does a lot of TV stuff is what you know him from. But, I mean, he's in stuff like, I mean, he was in Rollerball and uh, did some other stuff. He's in uh, Pat Garrett and Billy and the Kid. I mean, he's, he's done a lot of stuff over the years. And yeah. uh, he had a bit yeah. of a look, but he never really kind of <laughs> caught on. Looks a little Chris Christopherson. Yeah, a little, little bit. A little bit, a uh, little bit. Uh, there's somebody else he looks like to me, too, but I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But Yeah. No, I couldn't play. But I liked him. But anyway, uh, yeah, and of course, Nico being the good Greek, he, he's got lots of Greek food porn in this one. That must have brought, brought back some troubling flashbacks for Sammy. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, that Saganaki is a Cuban cigar, man. Oh, Ooh, man. That did you win good. I did. Yeah, forget, forget about the pineapple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. About that, I totally. Re- I, re- I remember puffing on that cigar. It sounds. It sounds much more. Uh, Is that a euphemism? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds much more that way when I talk about uh, Will's rose tattoo and uh, everything rose else. Tattoo. Yeah, but the uh, no, it, it. I can still remember lighting that cigar, drinking that brew, and that tinge that you get in your stomach when you know. Yeah, it's it's getting ready to be one of those nights. Yeah, yeah. sweats. Yeah, oh yeah, the meat sweats. I had the oh. meat sweats hard time. Now you know, I don't, we may not have said this in a long time, but just to kind of set it up again, we had eaten. Uh, you know, I think between me, you, and uh, your pal, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, Spiros. Spiros, yeah. Uh, between us three, we had probably downed uh, maybe ten pounds of meat. Yeah, I've grilled souvlaki. Yeah, oh, with yeah. lots of tzatziki. So we, you know, we had had a a hell of a, a meaty uh, uh, dinner, and uh, we had some uh, some fried cheese as well, right? That uh, what's that stuff? Saganaki, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we we, we were kind of setting ourselves up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you were asking for it. Big <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah. Oh man, we were certainly doing that. But you know, we you know went in went in Toronto, do as uh, you know the Toronto Antonians do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I've got I've got a lot of Greek friends too, and I love my Greek food. Oh but man, yeah! When, when you when you sit down for you know the for full works, you gotta you gotta you gotta know what you're doing, and you gotta yeah. pace it. And yeah, yeah, you really do. I, I learned the hard way. Uh, and you you don't make any plans after that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's the thing, you're, right? You're, that you're that was what the big out. problem was. There's, there's like a meat coma afterwards. You're not <laughs> yeah. don't attempt anything afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah we. We went to see uh, was it Solomon Kane after that, right? Was that that was what we went and saw? Yeah, we did. Yeah. You like I said, there was that that moment. I could see that moment unfold on your face. Where oh, oh yeah. my god, yeah, I need to be somewhere yeah. in about thirty seconds, or this is going to be a very uh, and spectacularly we, and, yeah seat. yeah yeah. And we should say that bathroom that I used the bathroom in that it wasn't much better than the train spotting bathroom. I mean, it no. wasn't. No, uh, but you know it was such a dire situation, for lack of a better word, uh, that uh, I didn't even wipe the bowl down before I sat down. Let's get that out there right now. I mean, and it, it was the, oh yeah, the size <laughs> of a broom closet. Yeah, oh. it had to be done, and it was going to be done right then and there. And uh, consequences be damned. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, and you felt like a new man though. Oh man, afterwards, I, I felt great afterwards. Yeah, new lease of life. Yeah, yes, I was hungry all over again. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, but it was it was uh, it was quite the night. Yeah, I remember that. See, and you can only imagine. I mean, there's there you am in the Greek food and this. You you do not yeah want to be between the silk sheets after a night with that much Greek food. No, no. no. But messy. if you've got a if you've got a projected backdrop, yes, 
Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He puts a projector. He projects the, the background. The of, freak, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, add to the ambiance. Yeah. He couldn't help but get swept up in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. No, you definitely couldn't. Um, we, so we see this montage and, and Jeff's, uh, you know, it's instead of, what is it, 50 ways to leave your lover? It's, you know, six <laughs> ways to kill your lover. Yeah. Um, so we kind of see that unfold. And I'll tell you, another first on the show, maybe, and we've had a few firsts mooning on a helicopter this week. And um, Adrienne Sachs, she rips into the apartment on a fucking motorbike. Twice. Twice. She does it into her own apartment. And I couldn't help but think, you have white carpet rugs. And you're driving around the streets of L.A. on that bike. Your carpets oh, must stink and look so awful. Oh my God! Yeah. Those streets are not clean. <laughs> I mean, they got a hundred years of footsteps and yeah. spit and everything on them. No, that's the least of your worries. Spit is yeah. not the and bodily fluid. I've, I've been to LA a few times. Spit is not the bodily fluid I worry about. Nope. <laughs> no, you're right, man. You're right. Uh, yeah, Tippy shows up. Good old Tippy. Um, what do we got yeah, she here? just got the one scene, right? Uh, if I'm, I'm yeah. mistaken, yeah, she just got the one That's scene. Right. Yeah, she just shows up with the uh, uh, the dinner scene there. But uh, she's fun in a little moment. Oh, yeah, no, she is. She has a little, little class to it, right? And I think to add to the kind of hitch to Palma... Uh, proceedings we get tippy so that's a little bit of a nod yeah. there well i think master Ra- cool. master rackus is smart he, he's he's making exploitation movies he's you know he goes out and grabs folks i mean he had a little run there and you know we like i said we've talked about his films before and uh he had a little run where he would just kind of do these american films and, and he would make these american films that he thought americans liked <laughs> <laughs> so they, yeah, they got they got kind of a weird vibe to him, uh, and uh, this is another one of those. Although, I think this is his last American film. If I, if I'm correct, I didn't really look, but I think this is the last one he did, and I think he went back to Greece after that. But yeah, we've covered yeah, right. because because he's been picked up by so many physical media companies. Um, we've covered quite a bit of uh, Masterakis over the last couple of years. No, you're right, man. We totally did. Um, I wonder, did he do anything else? Like, did he do anything? See, of say any significance? Does anyone know back in Greece? Like anything genre related? Or mm, I don't know. I, I mean, Island of Death was the one where he came over here yeah. and he thought, you know, he remember we had talked about he had, he'd seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre and he thought, well, that didn't really pay off on anything. It kind of says it does in the title. I'm going to make a movie that you know is exploitive as exploitive can be, and that's what he did. And and then he came over here and just made basically genre movies uh everything from you know ninja academy to to this to the zero boys which i think todd and i talked about and oh yeah that had an arrow release yeah, yeah. nightmare at noon but he's he's mostly yeah. working in greece now yeah yeah according to imdb it was he comes from a tv did a lot of tv series in greece yep. does he tv stuff uh and i think and it says 2018 he's done a documentary Mykonos, the soul of an island. An award-winning, award-winning feature-length documentary about the most controversial island in the world. There we go. That's, so that's, 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 mm. Got to see that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to see that. Quite the, uh, quite the island, that Mykonos. 
Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll tell you another thing we get, Dave. You you've been trotting out some firsts here, and we're almost 500 episodes and over a decade in. This is the first time in the history of our show we've been treated to marble erotica. Oh man! And <laughs> of 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 all the uh, quirky sex scenes and uh, props that could be used in an erotic context, marbles. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, I mean that's something I've I've never seen before. That seems um, like a that seems like a tricky move. Like you know, marbles are just small enough to go in spots that they might not come back out of. Well, that's that that's therein lies the problem. That's either uh, uh, yeah. a, a kink that you want or a very unintended side effect. Yeah, an emergency uh, room visit you don't want as maybe. Yeah, yeah, and you could almost if you close your eyes, you could almost recreate the bullet and the the tin pan sound. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Over and over, that or rain on a on a tin roof. <laughs> oh, amazing! <man>. Uh, <laughs> the plinko thereby. Yeah. Um, how about uh, how about the uh, Sammy? You need to cue up some sound effects. Yeah, really. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't think I had anything prepped for that, but uh, that would have been oh, ideal would have at that point. Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm having this image um, of uh, Adrian Sachs on top of a glass coffee table with Jeff Lester <laughs> laying underneath of it, man. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Dropping the marbles, thereby. Dropping the marbles, man. Dropping the bees. Um, Nico Masarakis clearly had access to a chopper. Makes good use of it. Yep. Uh, what else do we got? This is another amazing house. Like this house is just incredible. It's probably even more uh, well, it's high much, end than the last one. Yeah, it, well, it's certainly very—I uh, don't know—photographer of the '90s. Uh, I guess is the oh, best yeah. way to explain it. it it's ridiculous. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But that bed and and are you talking about the house he's living in, the space he's living in? Or are you talking about the house she lives well, in? I love because both his, of them are ridiculous. I meant her her house is yeah. incredible. Yeah, like these like what are they called? Um, those swimming pools where it's like on the edge of something. What do they call them? Infinity pools or yeah, something? Infinity or? pools. Yeah. 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 I don't know if she has infinity, but she's got these. Like, it's just an amazing setup. His setup is very GGTMC in that outside of his front door, instead of having like a, a shitty like gold sticker number for his apartment, he's got a fucking neon sign in his name. Yeah, it's mm. amazing. That's GGTMC. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of neon in this movie. Uh, neon oh, clock. Yeah. A lot of neon stuff go floating around. Oh yeah, big time. Big time. Um, what else do we get? Oh, I'll tell you another pro tip. See, Jeff Lester, for all of his exploits as a as a sexy photographer, <laughs> wears the mock neck on Venice Beach, and then does the opposite. Cooks fucking eggs shirtless. <laughs> risky. I mean, come on, risky. But you know I mean, we all, that is risky. Yeah, we already know though that you know he's into marble sex and and. And uh, some other things. I gotta say the when this when he's introduced in the movie, I've always had a problem with people who play photographers and take photography and and use the camera almost like a gun. It looks so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Like there's scenes when he's at the beginning when he's shooting these actresses and he's just <laughs> he's just flailing that camera around like it's a weapon. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it always makes me cringe. It's like ooh. Yeah, it's like Muhammad, like <laughs> throw gun shooting, where he's like throwing the gun as he's shooting in the Raiders of Atlantis. Yes, exactly. He's throw he's throw photo taking. He's doing something. Yeah, yeah. 
It's very odd. Is. Um, let, and me, let me ask this question. Let me get this yeah, out yeah. there, okay? So, because we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but Adrian Sachs or Shannon Tweed? I mean, come on. Which, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm Sachs. Are you Sachs? I, I gotta yeah. say, I'm sorry. I'm a brunette guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I no, I, go. I got you. I, don't I know, know you guys are Team Tweed on this one. Yeah. I, uh, well, no, I mean, uh, in purely um, aesthetically, yeah. Adrian Sachs, but I think as, for, earlier on I was talking as your female lead, I think more of uh, screen presence and acting chops and commanding the screen. Shannon Tweed. Yeah, Tweed. Yeah, she's quite, fun. Quite, quite the specimen herself. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's no joke, and she's fun and also underutilized, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's really under. But you know, it, it, I I was curious. It seems I see why Adrian Sachs has been cast. She might be slightly more mysterious, and <laughs> but uh, Shannon Tweed really maybe should have been. Yeah. There's more the, the per- there's, central lead female yeah, there, in this. There's yeah. more personality in Tweed. I think the problem. I like Sax. I think she's very attractive. I think the problem I have with Sax is when she starts acting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's she. She feels you know a what's, bit empty to me. Like her eyes are. There's does. something about her. It's kind of soulless in a weird there's way. Something blank. Right. She like un- unlike Jane March, who had the looks and the the performance and the skills to carry off. Unfortunately, I don't think Adrian Sachs does. No, I agree. She was cast more for the look, and it's funny because they're almost these weird like cousins. They both have this mixed kind yes. of exotic yeah. look. Yeah. Um, you know, both very beautiful. But yeah, no, I think I would have liked to have seen Tweed more as kind of a like an old flame that he goes to for kind of counsel and and kind of helps him. I mean, they really underutilized. They could have been the Tweed Thompson Power Hour. They could have been like the three of them could have been like the, doing detective or sleuth work together. Right. right. Yeah, that would have been fun. Really fun. Uh, we get a Meg Foster uh, sort of bizarre kind of unintended screenshot cameo in this. Yeah, that's weird. What what film was that? Did you guys pick that's up the, the Wind? That's Nico's one of Nico's other movies. Oh, he, yeah. oh nice. Wind. Yeah. Yep. Nice, nice. That's good. Which uh, about- Arrow actually, Arrow put out a collector's edition of, which is crazy. Oh, very me. nice. The wind. <laughs> Speaking of wind, uh, yeah. Jeff Lester gets very emo as some woodwind kind of tentatively blows over this over the uh, film. <laughs> oh yeah. That was a kind of powerful moment there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then we get the uh, the singer shows up, and things really are bizarre at this point. Oh like man, this t- this so, this almost becomes like Manchurian Candidate or something. Yeah, like no. David so Venturi. we kind of talked yeah, about video drum. Yeah, yeah video drum. or even Matrix like we talked about in the beginning. <laughs> it turns into this weird moment where he shows up and he starts explaining stuff, and you're like, "What? The architect? <laughs> what are we there by? What are we talking about? HD TV in your teeth? I don't know what's oh, going man. on. Yeah, video drums. Yeah, this one gets real. This is as tinfoil helmet. Yeah. As any erotic thriller yeah. has ever gotten. He goes, you were the perfect candidate. We put a micro transistor receiver in your teeth. And I'm like, what is going on? And my brain yeah. is exploding. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what's going on. I really don't. And I still don't. I, I got to say, at this point, I got a note here on my notes. that says, this movie is a bit high on its own supply. <laughs> well, it is. And it's weird because it really, it, it's like a hard left out of nowhere. Yeah. It's super bizarre. 
which and is good. Like it, I'm not saying that as a no. criticism. No, 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 it's no. Just it's funny. It's like that. You know, Jalo either does it organically or it's like fuck you. We're taking a hard left yeah. and you're on for the ride. Well, now. it's the twiest. We 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 the want. Twi- oh, there we, we go. We want that right, but this one <laughs> is so twiested. <laughs> that, that I don't even know. I don't even know where to go with it. I mean, like I said, when he starts talking about high definition and things like, I don't even know if those words were in the vernacular in 1990. I really don't. I mean, I just. But anyway, he's singers talking about all this stuff, and I can't take him seriously because his hair, his his it's suit. Like Brian, it's it's he out oh, Brian Grazer is Brian Grazer, which is <laughs> almost impossible, and I yet know. somehow he pulls it off. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going on. It's there, it's certainly that moment where I'm like, whoa! This is uh, this is as ninety degree an angle as you can take in a movie because mm-hmm. I think I know where it's going for some point in time. And yeah, the microtransistor receiver, whatever you want to call it, in his teeth might explain some things, and <laughs> but not really. It, it makes no sense. And, and so, all, all I can gather from it is so he's. Beaming, these his dreams are actually constructed, filmed sequences. Yes, and he can also remote control Jeff Lester. Yes, <laughs> yes, he can like oh, puppeteer him. Yeah. I, it, I, that's all I can gather from. Yeah, it. not only are they, you know, I mean, their the dreams are they're well edited as well, and and it's 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 just one of those weird. I don't know what it, it's supposed to. I don't think it's supposed to mean anything. I think it's just silliness for silliness's sake but it's so bizarre that i almost have to give them like on my score i almost have to give it a whole full point credit just for going that far yeah i agree because it's Mm -hmm. like what in the hell are you talking about (laughs) he's got like a whole bunch of tube tvs behind him he's standing in front (laughs) of and everything it's like what are we doing guys (laughs) it it is very bizarre and i'm i'm good for that like i said if you're gonna go for something go for something yeah yeah don't uh i don't have a whole lot more notes uh what do we got here um we should say though the mark singer also he doesn't show up to about almost what is it 90 minutes into the movie mm, i mean it's 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 quite a ways before you see him and uh and then when he like the matrix when he shows up he gives a bunch of information out and you're just like what it's just it's very oh, it's just, but it's it's great if you're into Mark Singer and his kind of very Mark Singer s delivery that he has. He's wearing that bizarre suit. Yeah, it's <laughs> I don't know if it's shark skin or what it well, is, but it's very strange. We, it is strange. We get a few Mandarin collars in the film too. I think Jeff, yeah. uh, our guy Jeff here, wears a Mandarin collar at the at the party. He does. Yeah, he does. I saw it and I thought yeah. of you. I don't know why, because natu- you always bring those up. Yeah, naturally. Um, what else do I got? Anything else? Uh, just this is very cokey, neon, guns, shades, tinfoil helmet. It's such a bizarre finale. And uh, how about, hey, let's give a shout out to Mark's aerial advertising coming correct with that plane <laughs> sign at the end of the film. <laughs> just amazing. What the hell is going on? I, I, I This movie. I swear, man, it, it's one of those WTF movies. Like it, it's for me, it's like a lot of Masterakis's films. I just like you know, I watch it and I'm like, what in the hell is going on? And I'm thankful for that. It's like, yeah, again, it's it's as a Greek gentleman making what he thinks is a good idea for an American film, and it comes off as some weird kind of 
cross-pollinization of cinema that I don't even understand, but thank God for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, very true. I don't have a whole lot more to add. Um, we're crunching on time here. I'm starting to hear feet moving around stuff. Got to get the house ready for the, the welcome guest of the air conditioning man. Um, but, yeah, I got to say, this one does have some uh, tech porn, you know, quite a bit of that. Uh, I, I, I Honestly, I did like Jeff Lester's performance. It's just tor- it's fine. Yeah, it's just tortured enough, and he's just talented enough and good-looking enough to kind of pull it off. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of fun to watch him kind of struggle with the dreams and stuff. You know, it's it's just kind of ridiculous, but it but it works. And his fa- the faces he makes when he's getting explained <laughs> the things about his teeth, or even yeah. or even the sex scenes, like the the sex scene with Shannon Tweed, that is not an O face I ever want to see again. I'll say that. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, but he's kind of fun in the movie, and you know, for for I guess to give him credit. He holds his own with some, some pretty good actors. I mean, David Soul, take or leave what you think of him, but he he's pretty decent. He manages to hang in there, even though David Soul doesn't have any interest whatsoever. Shannon Tweed, she's got a natural kind of charisma. I don't think she's the most attractive lady that's ever been, but she's always kind of had a nice kind of easy, kind of nuanced type of thing going on on screen. She she, yeah, she works pretty well. Um, I've kind of come to appreciate that more with age too. Like when I used to kind of just make fun of her performances as being kind of wooden, but now that I look back on it, she's actually pretty decent. Most of the things she does, uh, Mm -hmm. she's not bad at all. Brian Thompson is amazing in this movie. Oh, he's so much fun. Just, he's great. Like, like he can be like, if somebody just lets him go, he is amazing. And, uh, he should be working way more. I mean, he works quite a bit still. He's still active and, and still around. And if you guys don't know who we're talking about, if you see his face, you'll know him immediately. Uh, but maybe the best way to describe him, I guess, is he played the heavy in Cobra, which a lot of people would probably be able to figure that out, who he is now. But And also was um, hired to kill with him and Ollie Reed. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. right. We have, they have a that great kiss. Is that a Nico film? Uh, I think it might be. I don't, I don't know yeah. if it is. It might be, though. I'm thinking it is, though. I'm thinking it is. I'm pretty sure it might be. I'm looking now, and uh, I don't know. I don't see it on here, but maybe it is. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it, he made it's it. Nico movie. Yeah, he yeah. made it right with. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, there's a piece of trivia. He shot it back to back with this one. So. All right. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, and that's a fun one. We covered that uh, a while back, and that's a. Yeah. Oh man, that's a that's fun a, one. And that's got some amazing moments. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I mean. Pound for pound, Brian uh, Thompson, he's one of the, the most fun actors uh, that we ever have on the show. It's like every time he's on, it's like, you know, it's going to be a, a at least a GGTMC-esque type adventure when he's in a movie. Because he just, he brings a certain, I don't know, a quality to it. But uh, he's amazing in the movie. Um, I don't really have a whole lot more to add either. I think the movie's fun if, uh, again, getting high on its own supply. Uh, I did enjoy it quite a bit. I was actually surprised at how well it shot too. It's actually it's a, it looks yeah, really nice. It yeah, it's a little overlit in spots, but I think it's for the most part it's pretty good with the limited amount of locations they have and stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, another scene that that pizza scene with the homeless guy. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I really Bizarre. don't. Bizarre. <laughs> never seen so much pizza either. There's a whole bunch of pizzas sitting around. They had like nine pizzas or something. It was like a Ninja Turtle. Uh, levels of consumption, <laughs> like 
but I'll kick it Nuts. over. I'll kick it over to Davey. Let him add on anything. Um, okay, so again, this movie is ridiculous. Absolutely, like borderline, <laughs> borderline demented. Um, it's totally illogical. It's super dumb. It's bizarre. It's like it's like one long dream sequence. Um, I read someone describe it as like trash Lynch. Like a oh man, that's a great Nico's Nico's Lost Highway kind of thing. Nice. Oh, that's great. So I enjoy it for this kind of um, psychedelic aspect, um, but unfortunately, it's pretty brain dead, and the, some of the dialogue is is hilarious. <laughs> um, and nineteen ninety, it still feel it could be eighty five, could be nineteen eighty five. Yeah. Um, and again, so much sexy sax. The, the soundtrack is drenched in saxophone. Oh, yeah. We start off with, with the neon and that handwritten, very 80s handwritten font and the skyline. You got big hair, long butts. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, there's plenty, <laughs> plenty of long butts. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the waterbed, which has been built on a light box. And all I could think was, you know, if they get slightly too vigorous here, one little tear, that's, you know, they could zap. Yeah, I know. It's oh, yeah. crazy. It makes no sense. They're, they're, they're going to be fried. They're, they're completely fried. Um, uh, the the what I've called the VHS video vision is uh, it's like a sort of like a, a, a cut scene from a, a early nineties like Sega Sega video game <laughs> with this kind of uh, weird filter on it. Um, the the first sex scene with Shannon Tweed when he has the first nightmare and he wakes up strangling her, her line is, uh, Scott, you tried to strangle me. Your hand was around my throat. I couldn't breathe, but I almost came. Yeah. I love I that. Line. That is great. Yeah, she, she's great. I think you, I think you know what kind of movie you're in for right after yeah. that line. Like at that point, like everything Brian Thompson does makes yeah, sense. You know, it's kind of fun. You know where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it is a great moment. Like it's, it's one of my favorite moments in the movie. Um, Jeff Lester for me I'm not such a fan of his he kind of reminded me a bit of Craig Wasson in Body Double oh man that's funny <laughs> it really reminded me yeah. there's like a uh, he, he's he's good when he when he goes into sort of anxiety murder mode he's good and yeah. it, it's borderline scanners sort of face shaking kind of stuff yeah yeah. I mean he he he's fine for what it is but he is very milk toast. like he's very it's something vanilla about him yeah yeah certainly um, which is why he he and Adrian Sachs, that's, I think, what lets this film down and why we kind of get drawn more to Brian Thompson and Shannon Tweed. They're, they're both a bit vanilla for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, again, the giallo elements are, are, are shining through here. Oh, yeah. You know, it hits all the beats of, you know, the ordinary guy out of his depth, gets wrapped up in a, a murder mystery, becomes a detective... There's all the sex and violence. There's the POV stuff. When we first see Adrian Sachs, she's wearing black gloves. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of, again, it's very Jelly-esque. How fitting is it that her last name is Sachs? <laughs> it's very fitting. I can't believe I hadn't realized that. Yeah, I, I hadn't until I heard you said it, even though I read it, because it's spelled with the C-H-S, not the yeah. X. Yeah. Um, Tippi Hedren. I mean, I see 
why they've done that and the nod to Hitchcock. But what a weird scene. I mean, for a <laughs> yeah. start, they've just met. Um, she's playing hard to get. Okay, let's go for lunch. Meet my mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Here's my mother. And the again, it's very Nico, the, the in-joke of when she suddenly freaks out cause, and the, the birds start tweeting on the soundtrack. Yeah. And, uh, and, she, and she says, mother has a thing about birds. Yeah. They might as well have turned and looked at the camera and winked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but again, it's, it's symptomatic of Nico just throwing everything at the wall. Yeah. Similar to what Rush has done. He's like, okay, I, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to throw everything I've got. And I, and I love this European directors with a very skewed viewpoint uh, of wholly very American pop culture. I love yeah. that. Oh, I love that. I too. always love that. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. It's one of my favorite things when uh, other cultures bleed into. Yeah, it comes from my love of Italian cinema, but it's certainly yeah, like much much like Fulci stuff. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's my favorite thing when a, an American goes overseas or when uh, an Italian comes over to America and they try to make a culturally significant film within that area. It, it sometimes you can get gems out of that, and sometimes you just get these bizarre <laughs> creations, such as Raiders of Atlantis. Right? We go back to that. Comment. Oh God, yeah, yeah, that gem, um, but. And I think, like, Rush was aware of what he was doing and was uh, not satirizing. I think Nico was trying to do a similar thing. Yeah. Because, like, Brian Thompson mentions all these other movies, like Friday the 13th and Jagged Edge yeah. and The Palmer. It, it is, there is a meta element to it. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, like you said, even that even that Hired to Kill, that film right before this that uh, Nico made, I mean, that is very much a a Greek person making an American action movie. <laughs> yeah. And so, it feels so I that think way. He, he, he's doing his, his damnedest. He's doing his best to, uh, to, um, to, you know, kind of wink to the audience. He's like, I, I know, I know what we're doing here and I'm going to have fun with it. Yeah. Um, uh, driving motorbikes into houses, <laughs> parking them in the living room. I mean, what an image <laughs> it's it's almost you know kind of uh like a motley crew video or something it's <laughs> curtains cur a white snake video with the curtains <laughs> blowing like a lot of this film you know again there's all the marble it's music video stuff um yeah and i think is it jeff lester says you always drive straight to the bedroom only when i have to pee real bad oh yeah <laughs> So it's you know there was a reason. Yeah. It's not just a show. Yeah. There's a reason. Yeah, I got I got to go. It yeah. makes sense. Um. <laughs> yeah, marbles, marbles. I mean, <laughs> in erotic thrillers, a shower check, uh, ripping clothes off check, buttons popping check, uh, beads of sweat glistening, and then uh, where do we go from there? Ice cubes. Yeah. Whipped cream, yeah, candle candle wax, whips, chains, nope, marbles, marbles, <laughs> yeah, marbles, um, and the the biggest erect nipples I've seen in quite a while. Yeah, oh Those man, are, yeah, they are impressive. I was going to say that was some cold uh, cold glass. Those <laughs> yeah. marbles, they kept them in the freezer before that scene. Yeah, yeah, they uh, definitely uh, they are uh, impressive. That's what I'll say. <laughs> You can and, uh, you and, can yeah, hang yeah, a yeah. you can hang a denim jacket on them things. Let me say that. Oh, you can hang a few jackets. You got a whole cloak from there. 
could hang a Henry Silva trench coat on there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the uh, the twist um, uh, is completely off the rails. I mean, after a kind of a jazzy, jazzed up video game car chase, which where he's being remote controlled somehow. It's this is why I say the film is demented, and you're exactly right with the with the the hard left turn. I I didn't expect it to go where it went. I was just waiting for for aliens, a UFO to land or something. It's, yeah, yeah. I'm actually surprised that they didn't throw that in there somehow. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have surprised me. I would no. not have been surprised. Um, and it's it kind of it's like that uh, Twitter thing where that guy on Twitter um wrote um scripts as if they created by a bot yeah. like fake scripts like oh we took a thousand hours of this and fed it into machine and this is what came out yeah it's like that for erotic thrillers <laughs> <laughs> it really is it really is all right and, and uh, apparently this was originally given an x rating yeah and then an nc17 an yeah i oh, saw wow. that and i thought to myself this this thing is not even you know I know there was some talk of the same thing with Color of Night, but that one seems to make a little bit more sense because those sex scenes seem a bit more graphic. This is not really much yep. more than, uh, well, you know, for lack of better words, it's not much more than tits and ass, really. No, I don't understand it. I don't. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, at and all. It, was also, it was also shot. The DP also shot Thriller, a cruel picture. Oh no way! Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. How about that? I did not know that. It's actually one of my. My favorite thing about the movie is probably the cinematography, to be honest with you. Amazing. All right. That's all I got. All right. Will, let's get Make or Break's MVTs. Make or Break the finale. Again, this just, it, it's good. Like I said, I think the production design is really solid across the board for this. It's not flimsy. They got some good locations. They make great use of uh, Los An- the Los Angeles area. Um, but the finale just... I challenge anyone to find a more hard left bonkers finale uh, in an erotic thriller. It's just <laughs> nuts. Um, MVT. I just want to go with the class of the production on this one. It, it's a it's a good. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the cast. I think everyone's pretty capable. Soul's half ass in it, of course. Ironically, no soul from David, but uh, <laughs> that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, yeah. We get some really fun supporting players that are underused. Tweed. Thompson, Beck, Singer, uh, but Lester's fine. You know, Sachs is, well, she's okay. Um, but I'm gonna go with the cast. I guess they're uh, they're they're more than up to the uh, the task on this one. My scores are six point five out of ten. Um, this is a, a very enjoyable erotic thriller that's uh, off the beaten path, and uh, you know, tip my knit toque to Davey because I would have never seen this one or heard of it if yeah. not for him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd have jumped on it even. I mean, maybe I would have if I was really in a Nico. Like, if I looked at Nico's work, and be like, I need to watch something he hasn't, that I haven't seen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I'd have pursued it otherwise. So that's one of these ones that's kind of fun for that reason. Uh, my make or break is also the bonkers uh, explanation, uh, sci-fi, whatever the hell's going on. Uh, moment because at that point my jaw was on the floor it was like what is going on it got to the point where i actually rewound the film to start that scene over 
The and now I'm like, wait, hang on. What, what, how did I get here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what? I'm like, what is going on? Did I? You know, are, are these people all robots? What is going on? I have no idea what is happening now. And uh, it's just one of those things where you know you think you've seen everything in a movie, and uh, then somebody comes along and throws in you know some kind of <laughs> craziness that you just didn't expect uh my mvt for the movie i do think the acting is very solid we should say I've, i was looking through adrian sack's uh filmography and i looked at her trivia just to be kind of interested to see what she said she's been featured on the cover of over 500 romance novels now that makes sense 500 she, she looks Whoa. like a she she's looks the like lance henriksen of <laughs> romance novels <Yes. laughs> romance novel covers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go um I think this may have gotten the X rating for the marbles. Now that I think about it, man, that is a hazard. You know that that uh, you know. Uh, see, people can't ha- handle the marbles. It's just too much. <laughs> uh, but I like the cinematography in this, which is fun. That's funny when you brought up that uh, the same cinematographers as Thriller or Cruel Picture, because uh, obviously those two films couldn't be these two films couldn't be more different in a lot of ways. But at the same yeah. time, uh, when I came away from Thriller or Cruel Picture, I don't think of the cinematography. I think of other elements, obviously. Yeah. But this one. I think it's very, very competently shot, and I think he shot Hired to Kill as well, the same cinematographer. So that makes sense. They work together, and and uh, it it looks really nice. Looks like he shot The Wind and Sky High. Looks like he shot quite a bit of stuff for Nico. So Nico, not Miko. Uh, <laughs> sorry, got my M and my N's mixed up there. <laughs> uh, but I really did uh, like Adria, Adria, Andrea, Andrea Bellis, and- Andreas Bellis. There we go. That's the name of the cinematographer. I want to get that name out there and get it correct. Sorry. Uh, my score is a little higher on Wills. I had a good time with this. Uh, it really made me pine and want to go back and look at this genre uh, in more detail. So I think I'm going to dig in a little bit deeper now. Uh, 6.75, just a little bit higher than Wills. We're usually about 0.25 to 0.5 off on either one way or the other. Yeah. Okay. So, But it, it's, uh, it's if, if not obtuse and strange, it's kind of, it's a good time. I had a good time with the movie. I really did. So, <laughs> go ahead. All right. So, uh, for me, the um, the make or break again, like you, is the bonkers finale. Uh, you you you've said everything that can be said about that, and I, I agree with everything. Uh, the my MVT is Nico. Uh, I give it to him for his unfiltered anything goes fever dream that he's put on film um again even within with limited means uh he's he's given it given it his all and it's not a bad looking movie no it's not Um, no not at all uh and my score is i I went with a six because as as fun as it is and as much as i enjoy it there's you know it's not it's no color of night Oh no. Uh, no! But I give it six point five, and I give the point five purely for Mister Brian Thompson. Oh nice. yeah, nice yeah. treasure, treasure Thompson. Yeah, I think without yes. without Thompson, this movie is mediocre to slightly above mediocre at best. Yeah, he yeah, brings he really... a extra little panache to the whole thing. Yeah, and, I, no, and I'm very appreciative of that. That and the marbles, right? Yeah, that point five. That point five might be marbles. You know. <laughs> All right, so that is the big show. We hope everybody enjoyed, and uh, yeah, dig into some erotic thrillers if you guys get a chance. It's a criminally, really underrepresented genre and underappreciated genre in a lot of ways. Even me, I'll admit that there was a time when I was like, "Oh, 
it was like romantic comedies for me. I was like, I'm not watching another erotic thriller. These things are trash. Yeah. Uh, I got away from them for a long time, but they are pretty ripe to kind of go back and revisit. So, uh, uh, there's, there's some gems. There's some absolute gems out there. Yep. Yep. There is one I want to cover at some point. Uh, it's got Andrew Stevens in it, who made quite a few erotic thrillers. He was the king. And for a little while, yeah, he was. So, but I've just not got around to it. Maybe I'll pull the, pull the, pull the string. Maybe I'll do that on that one uh, coming pretty soon here. Yeah, um, you can go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you can. I'm really, to be honest, I'm trying to vamp here to pull up a title that I think everyone should check out that <laughs> our friend Scott Clickers of Married with Clickers turned me on to. Um, it is so incredible. It's it's as if Bruno Mattei did an erotic thriller. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, and I want to say that it stars um, Natasha Richardson. Ah, oh, God, I got to find the name of this one. It's really good. Let me just see if I can find it very quickly. It's so fucking 90s. Is it I'm on the edge of my seat here. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, I got it's really fun. I want to say it was her, unless I'm barking <laughs> up the wrong tree. Scott, if you're listening, <laughs> you got to let us know what the name of that one is, and I'm going to keep looking. Yeah, because I'll tell you, this one was a lot of. Is it blow dry? That's the last title I'm going to check while we're on the air here. Blow no, dry? That's definitely not it. it. No, that's not it. <laughs> It's a great title. Uh, it's a great title for I'll, an erotic I'll, I'll thriller. I'll try to check in off the air and let you guys yeah. know. But it's it's like a it's like an erotic thriller directed by Bruno Mattei. It's amazing. Oh, nice. Got to check I'm it out. Sold. Yeah. I'm sold. You're gonna, you're gonna keep me hanging. Yeah. I'm edging. I'm edging. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's not Natasha Richardson. Man, I got to find it though. I'll keep looking. Nice. Uh, we want to thank Davey so much for coming on the show. Uh, a true gentleman. Yes. Uh, oh, through and through, and. Uh, one of uh, my favorite relationships we've developed in the process of doing the show has been getting to know Davey. So I really appreciate you coming on, man, picking the shows. And uh, sorry, I don't we don't chat as much as I would like because I'm not on the social media as much. But anytime you want to hit me up, man, I'm, I'm available. Sure thing. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you again for having me. Um, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, let's, let's, let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got to do it again. Got to do it again. We got to do, uh, was it Nightwatch? Nightwish. Yeah. Nightwish. And, Nightwish. And what was Nightwatch? Was that that PC game that really bonkers? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that was. There is a, there is a was movie that Russian, called it. That was, a Timur, that was the Russian crazy vampire thing. Was it Nightwish? It was. But yeah. there was also that, that PC game where this house of co-eds was being broken into and you controlled the CCTV footage. I think it was called Nightwatch. Uh, yeah. Or yeah. Nightrap. Yeah. Maybe Nightrap. Nightrap. It is called Nightrap. It's got Dana Plato in it. The game yeah, does. it's got Dana Plato in it. That's yeah. right. Nightrap. That's right. It's kind of make a so, it's kind of made a resurgence in the last couple of years for being one of the worst video games ever made. Well, I want to play Nightmare, the VHS horror board game. Yeah, so badly. Yeah, well, I, I used to play I that back in the day. It's been a long time, man. It's been a long time. Who's a gatekeeper v- at, man? VHS but, video uh, board games. What a what a concept. Uh, amazing. What a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get that for my kids. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, Davey, you got to come on. You got to program another show, man. Because you've you're bat and in to use. Baseball term, you're batting a thousand, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And get some more. Uh, maybe get uh, Nightwish in. Maybe get another Railsback join in. Can't ever go wrong with any well, Railsback. I'd, I'd love to do. I'd love to do Nightwish and whatever this uh, mysterious uh, gem. <laughs> oh, <that> okay. <laughs> now you've, teased, it. you've teased us with. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. I gotta find it now, and it involves a snake too. Like a snake is in it. It's oh pretty, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sadaris like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting even better as we go along here. 
All right, so that is the big show. Will, thank you as always. Uh, we shall return next week. The streak continues this year. We're very, very, very proud of the fact that we're putting out a show a week, and we're going to try to stick to it come hell or high water. Damn it. So uh, it's really not easy to do at our age and with the children we have. But as a matter of yeah. fact, I, I hear the pitter-patter of, yeah, yeah, I hear my daughter coming now. Here we go. Uh, my day is just getting started. Uh <laughs> Even though it started three hours ago, four hours ago, it's really just getting started, let me tell you. Uh, uh, Like I said, thanks, gentlemen, so much. And thanks, Davey, again for the selections. Make sure you guys check them out. And I will say adios. Adios. Adios, you fucking daffodils. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. (laughs) 